Welcome to episode 400 and what did she say? 58? I knew this is what happens when you put a number in it. Is it 58? It's 458, the bonus podcast. Bonus podcast. Episode 458. Which is a special edition about the beginning of the 90s. I'm Gemma. I'm Michael, hello. We're talking about episodes of Coronation Street broadcast between 1990 and 1994. Not all of them. No, we're talking about the ones. It does felt that we have watched quite a lot. We're talking about the ones that are on the discs of the. what are they? Box set. The box set discs. Um, also, some extra ones that Michael has selected from YouTube, and also some special ones that have been um, suggested from other people. Yes, definitely. Um, I, and and this has been really fascinating. This one because because you've seen these. Yes, very recently. And many people listening probably, um, if you're this inter- interested in Coronation Street, you probably have seen classic. If you if you live if in the you, UK, if you live in the UK and you have access to ITV, they will. The, they these play. are these have aired in the last you know two three years or so. So Michael's been watching these every day, and I have refused. <laughs> it's it's I, a bit of an investment, but I, I do I, I I have been um, very grateful for our TVs or the Virgin Box's ability to play things at um, at faster speed. So I've been I've been yeah fast watching. Well, these I wanted episodes. you to be able to in, like watch them when you wanted because you kind of watch them to de stress and. Um, can't do everything together, can we? <laughs> well, quite often I'll watch them before I go into work in the morning as well. I'm not up at five o'clock in the morning no. to watch episodes of Coronation Street. <laughs> I am otherwise engaged. Um, so, yeah, th- this has been really interesting. And, th- and the fact that I've been able to watch them recently means that I've been able to hand-select extra ones to, to supplement what the DVD and provides. And sometimes when I have an a-, a question, like, what what's going on? You can say oh blah 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 and sometimes you're like I don't know yeah now my kind of overall thoughts on these compared to the last you know couple that we watched in the 80s is I've which I had felt had been a little bit on the wane when I wasn't expecting it to I was expecting to absolutely love the 80s Coronation Street um but I was just felt just a little bit like oh a little bit disappointed a little bit like oh that that didn't quite live up to the expectations or how I remember them from when I watched them on Granada Plus all those years ago. And we'd just come off of the highs of the 60s and 70s. And for the 90s, I felt like I've been so, so invested in these again. And I don't know whether what it is. Is it because I have watched all of them recently, plus the surrounding episodes, so I feel like I know the characters more, I know the stories more? Is it just that Coronation Street at this particular period in time had a really, really strong cast, in my opinion, um, I'm I'm not sure, but I, I've I've really really loved this, and I I, I was worried. You can tell me in a minute. I was worried <laughs> that I would be watching them, thinking, "Oh yeah, I've seen this, seen this. Uh, I'm not getting anything new out of this." And yeah, though I wasn't getting anything that I hadn't seen recently, um, I I very very much enjoyed the experience of being able to to rewatch them. That's my little preamble to this discussion, Gemma. I pass the mic to you. <laughs> I think there's a little bit of um, better the devil you know here because I think that I'm watching these and and Coronation Street is increasingly becoming to me like that drawing 
on as that's a meme on the internet of the horse where the back end of the horse is like beautifully drawn and the middle part of the horse is like kind of a, a okay sketch and the front end of the horse looks like it's drawn by me I know exactly what you mean so as I as I'm going through Cory I'm missing massive chunks of explanation the cast is exploding there are loads of people that I don't even know who they are they've been in every episode for like five years and I still don't really know who they are mm. um I I'm not not enjoying it, but I'm certainly not going to say that I think it's brilliant. But I totally understand it's because I'm not seeing them all, and I think that it's really great that we've got you here to to sort of talk about it from the perspective of somebody who's seen all, seen all the episodes. I'm really glad that you say that you've enjoyed it. I certainly don't want to give anyone a bad impression of it who hasn't seen it from what I'm saying. I'm just saying I I I think that if I was going to say to anybody. To invest money in buying Cory DVDs, I would only bother getting the 60s and the 70s. Unless you saw the original run of the 80s, 90s, whatever. Because I think that you can kind of fill in the gaps a bit better in the older that, episodes. That's the thing, you really can. And we, we've been filling in the gaps by looking at the Coropedia year summaries in between every episode, haven't we? Even and back at Coropedia, um, com is the, the, be- the best online resource for learning about storylines, characters, day-by-day events, etc. And obviously, if you want interviews and, and um, previews and upcoming spoilers and stuff, go to the Coro blog, which is coronationstreetupdates.blogspot.com. Uh, something like that. So, yeah, those are two. <laughs> those are the two places that you should be going online if you want stuff about... Or our, or our website as well. But well, no, I yeah, if you we're, want a podcast. <laughs> we we've been we've always read those little preview bit uh, sort of in between bits in between each episode. But with with the nineties, I've been able to add some of my extra my own knowledge and say, oh yeah, well, what's well sometimes the, the you'll pause it and go, oh yeah, I should probably is, tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I I've enjoyed being the the fount of all knowledge with this. I mean, I'm finding... e- even though some of it I've completely forgotten, and it's it's telling how. Um, dull some characters and some stories were because they were imminent. It was certainly not all gold. But there, there was like I've, I can't remember who that person is. Oh, I don't know what happened to them. Um, even though yeah, it's only been a matter of years since I last watched them. Yeah, I mean, there have been some engaging stories, definitely, mm. and some really interesting characters. Um, yeah, we'll I'm get just, onto that. I'm just kind of flagging. Yeah, so I mean that's probably going to be the same for you during the late nineteen nineties. And don't when we get forget that as well. Also, this <laughs> is like we've been doing this for a year now, so we've been watching Coronation Street a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. extra time, <laughs> um, and it, it it's starting to wear a bit thin on me. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm, it's it's really interesting to be able to fill in some of the holes that we've had in our current knowledge, especially with you know, the 60s and 70s. We didn't know anything about it. But no, I, I agree. It it's it, I'm not going to call it a chore or anything to be watching these, but it's certainly not... We're not feeling the same excitement as we were in I'm the 60s. I'm not like, oh, let's whack going, another one yeah, on. Another one. Oh, and then yeah. let's just put another so, one on. Another so, one. yeah, I, I, and I, still, I still think it's because gaps and yeah. um i think i'm not as invested in some characters and i think the cast is too big hmm. but if you i thought the cast was too big in the 90s i know it's just literally half the size it is now probably so um but i also do, think i also do think that it feels a bit like and i think we talked about this very briefly but i didn't really kind of 
um, contextualise it too much when we were doing the character survey for Choropedia, that it felt like they just kind of fired a bunch of characters into into the middle of the of the show and then they didn't work. So quick, come back again. You know what I mean? It mm. felt like they were just kind of scatter blasting us with like random people and some of them worked. The majority of them didn't. I'm going to say, because they... Are we talking 80s or 90s here? Are we talking... This 90s. 90s. That's interesting, because there, there were definitely quite a... a uh, yeah, a, a, an explosion there's of new characters, really like you said. There's some really major characters we, we that haven't... came in here, and, but there's also crap loads of, like, random characters that yes. came in it for, like, three episodes or something. I don't know who they are, what they're doing, uh, but I would say it's the same now. I think there's, like, a really important core cast of Cory. Then there's, like, you know, the, the second-tier characters that are kind of in it and out of it mm-hmm. and the main tier and the secondary tier are interchangeable depending yeah. on what storylines are important for that year and then there are like the forgettable people who are you know in it for like three episodes and only their mums remember that they were ever in Coronation Street <laughs> yeah I mean when I look at because I've, I've made a list of who the new characters were who some returning characters are who the the leaving characters are and actually there weren't very many characters from the 80s and before, who left during this period. The cast list was fairly stable of the old, the classic characters. But like you said, there were certainly a good handful of people that came in for a story and then left again. I mean, people that we lost during this. I mean, I I would say that the biggest losses during this period in the early 90s were Alec Gilroy, although he obviously does come back again. It was... Seeing him, seeing him go, his exit wasn't very, wasn't didn't seem it to be much of a fanfare for us, was there? It I think they weird. made more of a deal of it on the surrounding episodes. I think watching Alec and Bet together, I don't that I don't get the hype, but I understand. I understand that I've missed the hype. You mm. know what I'm saying? It's like if somebody said oh, you've got to try some ice cream, it's really great, and then they gave you the bottom of a cone with no ice cream in it. <laughs> and you're going, I don't get the, I don't get why everyone loves this ice cream stuff. It's just runny liquid in a in a husk. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and I totally do think you you've missed missed a lot of it. I mean, and I think I think some characters also that don't have massive plots are best on the day to day stuff, and the day to day stuff is where I'm missing mm, mm. most most of most of the you know joined up dots for, for people, and it's a shame. And I definitely would like to um at some point go back and watch as many as possible with uh, Bet and Alec because I know they're like legendary characters but um yeah well I, I, I so think far, that so I think that we saw some good bits of Alec on this I mean even I'm if it wasn't really better sure than they were married um I thought that I know why, but I also don't know. What one of the best Alec and Bet moments that we saw was the uh, the bit when the the brewery uh, when they closed down the brewery. It was when they were um, the the they, they want the the ugh, I can't even speak. The brewery wants to close them down. Oh um, yeah, and they and, want to turn and, it into Yankee Bar or something. Yeah, and and that they they closed down the pub in protest, and and they yeah. are. Yeah, a united front during there. So it was also, wasn't it when they wanted to knock into number one as well? Well, I this think. was like also um, an era of like American expansion into the British consciousness and American brands were like really, really taking hold in the UK. And we'd had a few brands, you know, like McDonald's or whatever. And then it was kind of like places like TGI Fridays and things replacing, you know, restaurants and and american stuff was just cool and fun Mm. and it was all like a total weird 
mixture of random American things. Like one that wasn't the the brewery representative was talking about. They went to this um themed pub and it was like a southern. Uh, American themed yeah. pub and they were saying oh no you'd be more like a New York kind of thing and I think that like even now I don't know how different it is but in 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 the UK like when we think of Americans we think of like New York LA like and the south <laughs> maybe that's it but the um the American southern bar that the brewery was trying to sort of sell them on was just but they had a massive Confederate flag in one bit of it. There was it was like yeah. couldn't have this <laughs> bit problematic. But but that really was some of the best that we saw of Alec and Beth together. Um, because uh, they had the pregnancy scare that that was in the eighties, right? Or was that? I've lost. I'm. I've lost track. Of I know. I'm really losing. It's funny now. because we're I... going through this pretty slowly. But even so, I'm. I'm not very good at. Yeah, I think that was. Time. I think that was late eighties. Uh, one of my favourite if it was just on the subject of Alec bits again that, that I really really did enjoy was the uh, the health, Rover's health inspection with the spider and, and oh, as, an, as like an arachnophobe it. Gemma what did you make I of really, that? I really I, I, this was the this was also the prime of like was this like when did arachnophobia come out? Oh, probably around the right time you know this was me. when people were just platting spiders left right and centre and I don't like spiders at all. I have a bit of a phobia of spiders, but I recognise it's my problem, not the spider's problem. And I really did not like the fact that he squashed a tarantula with his bare hand. <laughs> I think it's disgusting. Just the look that he gave on his face. He he was a he was a like many of the curry actors at the time, Poor a tarantulas. great master of expression. I think the tarantula it was, was okay to be in funny. real life. But... Yeah, I get it. <laughs> I wonder whether they're gonna get away with that uh these days. Uh even though maybe the bet and Alec combo we didn't see at, at its best i still did think that we saw some absolutely brilliant bet and we've, we've almost sadly now come to the end of bet's time on coronation street because she leaves autumn 1995 and we've now seen up to the end of 1994 so we've pretty much seen her stint and she came in so early as well and, and it really does feel like she's she's like a, um although she's got a really solid character arc it also just feel like there are different bets for different times yeah well one of the things i uh remarked on when i was uh looking at bet was after uh while she was there being the wife to alex that's when she had her hair down and yeah. that's when he left it kind of went back up to that beehive so it was almost uh-huh. like back to being single again and this is how bet looked Can when I she also was single say, it's it's like a bit of a helmet it's like a protection it's like an aura like a halo of uh of hair uh, protecting her from from the world. You can say that if you like. That would like be a quite arty mechanism. way of putting it. I mean, I um, one of the things... Uh, I'm just having a look through the notes here. You're clicking right next to I'm, the... I'm um, clicking right away. I'm sorry if you can hear my clicks. I apologise. But um, there were some fantastic Bet moments in here. And I just wanted to run down some of the things that I really loved about Bet in the early 90s. For example... Um, you're, trying to, you're doing a search for Bet and there's just know, hundreds of entries. Bit, it, well, some of it is words like between as well and better buys. Um, let's have a look. We'll do match case. Hang on a minute. I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it. Um, oh, Bet, bet yeah. rescuing Ken after his suicide attempt. Now this in, was referenced um, New Year ninety one in the show recently when um, Ken was trying to talk Peter round uh, of talk, of like talking about the end of his life and 
he he referenced this and this was like really creepy because it was almost exactly the like it was the like same within a week or two that we had watched this episode so this happened at the end of 1990 it, yeah this is a, this is 1990 to 91 the new year yeah so so it was happened over over the new year and just ken was at his lowest and he didn't know what to do and um he was sitting in the in number 1 uh miserable with um a bunch of pills basically about to end his life when Bet found him for some reason I can't remember why um no I can't remember why she she went around there as well I think she she you know I don't know but any she she comes around and she finds him and and, and it was scenes like this that kind of show that Bet is a lot more than just a long bimbo barmaid kind of person that was or somebody that was there that was only for the comedy and and it, sh- it demonstrated just what amazing skill and range julie goodyear had as an actress and yeah. i don't know whether everybody always appreciates that because when you think bet you think of you know life and soul the big the big smile the big earrings Rassy. the big hair yeah. but she was absolutely fantastic that was one of her best performances i think dramatics yeah. she she just kind of tells him you know don't give up but she also then goes back to the pub and cries in Alex's arms. And then she sees him the next day and she says, listen, you're right. Let's not talk about this ever again. Which I thought was really fascinating. I don't think they would have this now. Um, but she basically just said, look, people wouldn't want to know that I... Because she kind of like confided in him that she felt in a similar way. And she said, look, you don't tell anyone out what I said and I won't tell anybody what you said. And mm. we'll leave it at that which I thought was like a very British way of just kind of going, right, we talked about our feelings. That was one day out of 365. Let's never do it again. <laughs> some, of, some of the other bet moments that I remember during this, um, there was one, do you remember the bit where she, um, was it that Steve had broken in um, to yes. the house? Was it, was it number one that he'd I broken into one, young yeah. Steve? Mm-hmm. And um, oh, yeah, Bet goes round there, finds him and... Uh, is, Oh, it's, it was a Stephen, Vicky and Andy were doing their Radio Weatherfield there, yes, weren't they? Yes, they were doing a pirate That's radio. Right. They, they would and love podcasting. The, and then Alec calls the police on them. Yes. That goes round the back, realising... Because they, that, weren't, they he, weren't there. I can't remember where they were. Where, he, where was Ken? But they'd, they'd been tasked with looking after the well, house. Well, Ken wasn't living there anymore, was he? But it well, was, they'd been tasked with looking after the Alec house. Alec and Bet had, yeah. Yes. So Bet goes round there, hurries the kids out <laughs> the back. Yeah. And then when the police come, she's there just smiling away, saying, oh, I just come to just order watering the plant. The plant. And she was, she was always so, so good at putting, at, at lying, basically. Yeah, and, and I was going, what do you mean? What about the noise? And she was going, what do you mean? What noises? It's just been me, Alec, watering, watering the plants. Yeah. Uh, so, she, uh, and um, this similar kind of style bet on the scene when um, Rita gets invited round to Ken's, oh, Ken, Ken Morley, I bet Ah, what's his name? Reg's house that one time for his flat warming. Oh, Rita and, gets invited. And she gets scared. Rita's the asks, only person who gets invited. So, so Bet yeah, goes around there like, as, a, as a wingman. And, and Bet's there. Not just, a wingman, as a blooming, like, you know, protector. A wingman's supposed to get you laid. <laughs> was, what, what was Bet? She was like the virginity police. <laughs> and Bet's just there kind of with this big smile, just acting like she doesn't realise that she's getting she's, in the way of... She's um, C-blocking him. She is, yeah. <laughs> Um, similar to that as well, the scene where Bet pretends to be Alex's mum for that one scene because he'd um, he'd sp- hadn't he spoken to someone on the phone? He pretended um, he, he it was Valentine's Day. Yeah, he he pretends that he's a widower, and <laughs> yeah. uh, and Bet finds out that he's been putting it about that she's dead. So when um, who was it that com- that comes round? Uh, was it somebody from? 
the brewery or something. I can't remember. But... I don't know what. Oh yeah, maybe it's it was, to do with his it singing, was, isn't it? This talent agency, and then Beck pretends to be Alex's mum and and is treating him like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like he's a he's a little boy. <laughs> yeah. So so good. Um, and she just doesn't she doesn't go over the top with it. She just gets the gets the the tone of it absolutely perfect. I mean, the absolute best Corey Bet scene and maybe one of the best comedy scenes of Coronation Street of all time which doesn't really get brought up in clip shows as much as it should do wasn't even on the DVDs it was a YouTube episode and if you can find this I recommend that you do yeah yeah it's still where... there on YouTube a lot's been taken off YouTube recently but this is still here yeah which is actually <laughs> we know that some people are listening that might be going right we've got to take that down now <laughs> but um, if you get a chance um, it's the episode where um, Raquel and Bet get drunk, which was from the twenty sixth of uh, September in the year uh, ninety four. Um, so, so they basically just talk about they they have a tip. This, this is after yeah. This is after she's um, split up with Charlie. He could Char- yeah. We, we Charlie, also saw we'll talk in, about in, that later. Okay. Char- Charlie Charlie was uh, Bet's boyfriend. He leaves her. Raquel's not doing well with men, so they both decide to make t- cocktails and get drunk. And they talk about their lives and it really, there's no point trying to describe what they talk about. It's literally all in the acting. It's, um, it's... It's absolutely <clears throat> perfect. The script, the performances. Julie Goodyear the, and... Uh, and uh, Sarah Lancashire. Sarah Lancashire just being fantastic character actresses, capturing just like even just glances, looks, hiccups. Raquel talking about how you got to learn how to smoke if you want to be a model. Um, oh, the, the best the bit was when they're talking advert. about yeah the anti-smoking advert that Raquel was on. And she she was saying, like, oh, oh yeah. I was the I was the before model I think. And um, and then they have someone who's like dead, like all chewed up and, and really old and, 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 stuff. and having Raquel and Bet next to each other yeah. is obviously just. And then Bet's like, they should have asked me to do it, and Raquel's like, I didn't know you then. And Bet's like, thanks. <laughs> and it ends with her going through her alphabet of men that have oh, wronged her. This was great because um, actually Raquel does, doesn't know this, but she's a witch because what? she was writing down people's names and putting them in the knife drawer. Um, when they wronged her, mm. and this was this is like basically a spell. <laughs> I don't know much about witch- witchcraft, but this was this is definitely some kind of like folklorey kind of old Lancashire <laughs> like witchcraft that she was doing. Put the names of people in the knife drawer. Well, literally, if you want to do, and then, and then she said, "If you're not sure, put them in, put them on ice on the freezer." Yes, literally. I was reading. I was because uh, I I love all kind of weird supernatural stuff. So I was looking up like uh spell books and stuff and like one one thing that you can do if you want people to stop talking about you or being mean is you write their name on a bit of paper and you stick them in the freezer and then they can't say horrible things about you <laughs> i'd love it if that was true but um i thought this was i thought this was like a really kind of interesting um little bit of you know really old world old school lancashire i, I presume yeah, I just guess. Just like a little bit of... But, I mean, it's probably universal. It all all just all combines together yeah. to make one... It was a quite a lengthy scene. Yeah, it was. Um, they just didn't drop a beat. It was, yeah, on a, so, it was one of the best, best, best comedy. Yeah, it really But also, was. also the, the tragedy of it in, 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 uh, t- together, it yes. was and so when, worth so, so, speaking down. So Raquel that. writes down all the names and Bet's like, well... I bet I could, uh, I bet I've got an alphabet's worth. And she just goes through the alphabet trying to think of everyone who's wronged her and writing it down. Yeah. And it so gets, gets to E with, and where she goes, like, she's the thing, every man, every man that ever lived. lived. <laughs> and then and the episode ends, it's 
just, just perfect. So now we've seen most of Bet. I mean, we were quite fans of her from before, and and um, and I don't. I think before you even said it, I want to kind of reserve judgment, final judgment on her until I've seen her whole stint, and we have now seen her right from yeah. you know, that little appearance in the sixties through to dancer. now. Where does Bet kind of rank really high. for you? Really she, amazing. I mean, I I I still think even if you are a fan of Bet and you've like watched it from the nineties or whatever, I still don't think you really appreciate how fantastic a pop culture icon Bet is because. Her legacy stretches back so much further than that. Yeah, and she was always a like a bit of an underrated powerhouse. And I still, I'm going to say even now, I do think Julie Goodyear is underrated because of so her disastrous return. Where I think she, the expectations were not met communication broke down somehow i remember being really bitchy about her when she when she came back and started thinking it was a bit of a joke but i i think she was badly treated and i'm gonna say quite a lot of corey stars that come back from the old days into modern corey don't get properly prepared somehow mm. i mean i don't think you can really because it's just such a different way of working and um if you're used to rehearsing and and stuff you you are going to be shocked with the way that they do things now but um yeah i think that she i think the trouble is if you grow old you kind of become a joke especially if you're a woman <laughs> you know like you think about marilyn monroe and princess diana if they were alive now everyone would hate them probably <laughs> and they'd have twitter accounts and everyone would be telling them to shut up but yeah because they because they died young and beautiful everyone thinks they're perfect like like bet <clears throat> she kind of like she kind of grew old gracefully and, and Julie Goodyear is still alive, thank goodness. And she's amazing. But um, if you, if you like, if you like Bet and you, you still, and you still haven't seen her, her work previous to the nineties, you need to go back and look up some of her early episodes because. Yeah. And, and don't just think of her as being just the, just there for the laughs, just there for, you know the, the smile and the and the one liners because she is so 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 much more than that. She's a really really deep character. And I think been, some of those sides get forgotten. Yeah, it's always been like a bit of um, a drum that I like to bang on on the podcast that soaps in general are under are underappreciated, and I think it's like even a cliche now to say, oh yeah, people don't really appreciate how hard it's be a soap actor or whatever, but they don't. They really don't. The amount of talent that goes into mm being a person and yeah. playing a person a real person who all that time as well 3d you know f- good and the bad and it's the writing and the production direction all of it all goes together but people are so snobby about it mm. and i'm guilty of you know i that i was saying i was making fun of judy Goodyear and stuff but you know you got to, you got to just accept that um this is like, this is just our... You could tell that she'd thrown her heart and soul and yes. dedicated her life to this character. And even, look, even if she had it, this is the thing, even if she wasn't like, oh yes, darlings, I'm going to get into, I'm going to get into bed now, I have to be left alone for half an hour. Even if she just went in there and just did it naturally on instinct, still bloody incredible. <laughs> it doesn't matter how you do it. It doesn't matter if you spend hours getting into character or you just switch it on and off. Whatever it is... There are some people who've got it and some people who haven't. And Coronation Street is has always been good at finding the people that have got it 
and getting him in front of the camera. Mm. Well, along that line, and we have just been talking about her as well, I think one of the biggest new faces in Coronation Street in the early 90s was Tanya Raquel. Tanya Pooley, oh. We, were, oh. well, we can talk about Tanya Pooley along with Raquel. Um, and I I did find, as we were going through the DVDs, and even the extra episodes that I'd, uh, I'd, I'd pick for us to watch as well, we didn't quite get enough Raquel until no. maybe the end. And we've seen, I mean, there was that scene with Bet. We, we've seen a bit more of her... Um, with Curly, and then there was the whole at the end of the Tanya Pooley saga that we that we saw as well. But I I feel like she's been she's um, been underrepresented. I'm gonna yeah. say that for sure because I'm really I was really looking forward to Raquel, and I know that she holds a special place in your heart. And oh. I've seen her on the screen when I'm coming in and out of the room. And you're watching old old Corey. And I know she doesn't really have that much. She wasn't in it for a great amount of time. No, she had like four or five years maybe. But um, she's. Yeah, she's just basically a bit a bit character and um she gets bullied by Tanya Pooley and to be honest, the episodes I saw it was kind of a bit like, Yeah, you know, well Tanya's got a point because you're a bit of a drip. <laughs> but I mean how does I mean uh, I, I think that what we've seen of her has still been good. It's just not been some of some of her best and no. and she's just I think that she's just as great as somebody who says these silly lines and these... But I think, like, listen... We saw, we saw her um, her French lessons with Ken, yeah. didn't we? And just some of the things that she gets to say or some of the wisdom that she comes yeah. out with or the, the, what she thinks but is... But it's with... incidental, isn't it? I would yeah. say the same thing. If you were to take, like, the last... I don't know how long Emma's been in it. You were to take the last whatever years of Corey that Emma's been in it and, and just distill them into, was it, how many episodes a year? eight, ten, whatever, yeah. you wouldn't get very much of Emma and you'd be like, why did people think Emma was so funny and great? Mm. It's the incidental bits. It's the it's the day-to-day stuff. Yeah. Some characters are in it for a story and their, you know, their high points are going to be memorable moments on Coronation Streets, the story of the characters. And then there are other people like Emma, like Raquel, who are just funny all the time but not really part of a plot yeah so something that we completely missed which was a bit of a story but not not anywhere near big enough to go on these dvds was when she was dating when the footballer um, i know you've heard tell. tell of wayne haven't we? <laughs> yeah i've but, heard and, and this is where lines. she makes the, the, the playing the, away the, yeah got and, own goal whatever i've heard all of the jokes i've never so seen her perform good. them no no um, but I suppose the main stories that we've seen have been this blossoming romance with Curly that's just coming up at the moment towards the end of 94. I suppose it's been on and off for the past few years. Well, I want to but say, then also the Tanya Pooley Des stuff. Yeah. I want to say, because I remember you telling me when you were a boy and you watched it, you were like, oh, Raquel and Curly's true love, amazing, so romantic, when they got married, great, whatever. And then um, when you rewatched it, you were like, alarm, alert step away you're bad for each other and I'm watching it going yep this is this is a terrible idea this is awful what are you thinking we've seen some we've seen some lovely stuff with them I mean there was the scene a couple of years ago where they went to the the better buys there was a do wasn't there this is when Brendan Scott first appears in it who we definitely can talk about later Um, and and she ends up um, Curly ends up getting wine spilt in his trails or something and ends up in Raquel's room Um, and then there was also um what else have we seen? I mean, even just recently, the naming the star after her after after she poses as his fiance at the Super Scoopers Christmas do. Aww. That was just as sweet and lovely it as I remembered sweet. it. But, but it's so it's so like you were thrown together here, 
and you got carried away and you both wanted and it's because she's on the rebound from des after that awful revelation that she had the the discovery that he was seeing tanya puglia at the same time so they both just wanted love didn't they but they they weren't right for one another yeah so heartbreaking how did how did you find tanya puglia because she's a bit of a um she was like the one of the biggest characters honestly on the discs or or the episodes for a, that we for a saw. short time, wasn't she? Because she, she was, was only like, in it for like a year or yeah, so. Yeah, she was. She burned. She's a star that burned brightly. But she was just a horrible bitch, wasn't she? Yeah. Um, that Armani episode where Raquel gets yeah. sent off to do the modelling so session. She, because... So Raquel thinks she's getting a job at Armani to go and like model for Armani. And it turns out it was a trick. And um, Tanya like tricked her into going to this like fruit and veg sellers that was r dot marnie and she stood there in the dark like she could have been raped and murdered tanya didn't care tanya has got some kind of personality well disorder. she jokes about it with des doesn't she because yeah. she'll think des thinks it's funny but he calls her a cow and goes and rescues. Well, yeah nobody can she can't listen i felt kind of sorry for tanya because she did not know how to relate to people in a normal human way did she she just constantly trying to get one up on people and prove that she was brilliant and she obviously was like um she obviously had an inferiority complex or something she spent all of her time stealing other people's men because she couldn't get her own like having more than one guy on the go but none of them were actually like just just dating her at the time Mm. she's just a big hussy like i feel i I know you're supposed to really hate her, but I also felt really bad for her because she literally could not seem to form a human connection in a normal way. <laughs> She's obviously, I, I think, if you were, if you went back in her, her childhood, she's probably like been abused as a kid. Yeah. She's such a broken person. Um, and, and, and she had such a posh accent too. Like nobody, <laughs> I, I, and she had such a deep voice. Mm. Wasn't wasn't it amazing though the bit where Bet throws her out of the Rovers and um. I was waiting for that for ages. Yeah, and, and and because this is after the whole thing comes out where she she's sleeping with Des and Des's boss at the same time. Raquel's going yeah. out with with Des as well, and and it's all it's a massive, massive. Well, she ends love up triangle mix thing. Yes, yeah, so she ends up in bed with this man, Alex. Yeah, and that, that, and that was that fight that came yeah, after. She ends it? up in bed with this man, and he's saying, "I'm going to leave my wife for you." And he's like a high flute and whatever. And then um, Des, I can't remember what he, why he went there, but he knew that they were together, I think. And he went in and found them in bed together and started shouting the odds. And then this this kind of big catch boy that she's got in her bed is starting to realise that she's a hussy and not worth breaking up with his wife. And he was like, I was going to leave my children for you. And she's like, oh, no, no, ignore him, ignore him. Des like, like, you're my girl. Why are you in bed with him? So it's... And I found when I was watching that on ITV3 that that story dragged and it was dull until that moment. Yeah. Because the other element in the mix in that scene was Raquel's yes, follow well, Des. Raquel hears, Raquel was looking for Des. She walks down the road and the door is open with a yelling coming from upstairs. She hears Des's voice. She walks in, she goes up the stairs and she walks in. There's Des shouting at Tanya in bed with another man. Saying, you're my girl, you're my girl. And he, she realises oh, she's been cheating on. And she's the most innocent person in all of this because, you know, this guy was having an affair with Tanya um, with his, against his wife and kids. And then Des was having an affair with Tanya even though he was going out with, with 
uh, Raquel. Mm. Tanya's like, well, great, all my plans have gone wrong. Because she was going to... This guy was like a big, hot-shot, highfalutin rich guy that she was going to go off on holiday Although with. we did remark that some of the scenes with Raquel and Alex sitting together did look like they could have just been plonked for, out of EastEnders, couldn't they? Because he, he had this Cockney wide boy accent and she was a character who's not a... Des, didn't. No, no, it's Alex. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I don't know whether I said Des. Uh, and, and she was there being a character that, you know, isn't a big, big Corrie she character. She really doesn't And sound, it was in a set that sound... isn't a normal Corrie set. I'm not going to say I've got a brilliant ear for accents a lot of the time, but Tanya never sounded like she was from Manchester <laughs> to me. I don't know where she I was from. I don't know. I don't know. But, um... And obviously different people, even in Manchester, have different accents, but... She she certainly didn't like if you took like you said if you took that scene and said this was a lost scene from EastEnders I think most people would go oh, yeah. interesting but that that particular revelation then spilled over into two excellent excellent scenes one of them when Raquel goes to the Rovers in the middle of the night gets bet oh. up and just cries on her shoulder and poor Bet okay has to be uh, sort of the the, the mum to her was this almost. around the time when they made the cocktails I can't remember but yeah the cocktails were were a result of yeah. this and then Charlie eventually going off with Tanya. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then the tragic thing that comes from that is that Bet's all ready to give Tanya her marching orders and Raquel falls for Tanya's lies oh, because Tanya ends up hitting herself and says it was Alec yeah. and, and Raquel's there saying, oh, Bet, let's let her stay. So I, that was brilliant. And then I, and then there was the fight that broke yeah. out in the cafe between Des and, and Alex. And you said, yeah. this is the best curry fight you've ever it seen. It was amazing. It was so good. So it was Des and it Alec. It was a proper brawl. And they literally were like, it was like, if you want to be in, if you want to stay in Cory, we've only got one role, and you both have to fight each other for it. That's that's the motivation behind these characters. I've literally never seen a better fight in Cory, and this was two characters I did not care about. One of whom wasn't even a proper character. Mm. The the choreography and the like the the just sheer. Like it, it, kind of, yeah. it kind of comes down the stairs yeah. in, in, in Jim's cafe, doesn't it? tell you what it reminded it? me of. It reminded me of Peter and the chicken. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> I was literally 30 seconds ago thinking that. It was a proper Peter and chicken fight. Yeah. And, and the chairs were going all over yeah, the place. Yeah, they were just like falling on him. each other, punching each other, desperately was, trying yeah, to get the upper hand. Definitely She's one of Corey's best fights. Yeah, and she, she, li- she, and she lies. And, and This is why I kind of feel sorry for her, because I've known people like this in my real life who who don't know how to tell the truth <laughs> and they just get themselves in more and more difficulty because they just want they're so blinkered they can't see that they're hurting themselves by lying but that's what she was she was just an absolute cold-hearted cyborg of a woman with amazing hair and a beautiful <laughs> face who smoked like a chimney and sounded like she'd come out of a gravel pit yeah um, so on the subject of Des, then he was obviously um, another. So he came in with his with his wife, wife Steph, who yeah. we didn't see loads no, of, I... to be honest, did we? Because well, they they, they ended up splitting up. Um... They split up pretty soon. Doesn't, he have, doesn't she have an affair? And then he burns the boat. Yeah. And, and and the, and the was barns. This when Hilda was. No, this no. this who was the cleaning lady. Phyllis. Phyllis, Phyllis was, wasn't it. she? Um, and this was um, this was a, a quote relevant i would say because this was cory bursting into the 90s and the barns were the epitome of his 90s They're like yuppies. yuppies aren't they well they the even... 80s was like the the birth of the yuppie and the 90s was like you know coronation street catching up to 
like these these kind of dinkies, you know. I love the bit when Vera um, spray paints with uh, shaving foam, get lost, you yuppies, yeah. spelt incorrectly on their front windscreen. And wasn't it, and, oh, and there was also, um, she ends up throwing, um, she thinks that the, the, the barns have been taking bits of their stone cladding and she tries to throw it in through yeah. their front window and accidentally ruins uh, Derek and Mavis's night in as well. Sad times. But, do, yeah. you know, do you know what dink, dinkies are? No, I do not. Double income, no kids. That's oh, us. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, that is us. Yeah. yeah. Such <laughs> great life, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, we are the Des Barnes and Steph Barnes. We are. Of, uh, we, don't have a, we don't have a cleaning lady, though. But I, d- I just, I didn't really find their characters ever that exciting. And I remember when I watched it in the 90s, Des was never, you know, all, all that to me. That's because I don't think that they were brought in um, with the best intentions. Like, they were brought in to represent a... A social class that was being lambasted and alienated and um, sort of othered from the people that would watch Coronation Street. You know, these yuppie, these high class people with their fancy cars and their children who they think they are with their professional jobs, not caring about families. And you know, they kind of stood for everything that Coronation Street stood against, you know, mm. like family not caring about that, uh, caring more about their, their money and their job. I don't know why they lived on Coronation Street if they were that rich. But well, uh, well, Sam, <laughs> Steph's dad was the developer, wasn't he? Morris yes. Jones. So he's the one that died recently and that's yeah. why David couldn't, couldn't find out what the... sinkhole. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> yeah, so um, that's, why they, that's why they weren't... They never really were successful because no. they weren't brought in... I'm trying to think of the word that I mean. I, I don't mean best of intentions, but they were kind of... They, they were, were outsiders. Yeah, they? they weren't. They weren't, but they weren't brought in to like teach people what the ways of the yuppie were. They were like <laughs> antagonists. Yeah, well, that was, the antagonism was some of the best things that came out of them because of their relationship with the neighbours next yes, door, they Derek really and did Mavis. Not like, they, yeah, they they didn't like them, and, and it was weird. Though. Think just about it. loved winding them up, and there and, and again there was a lot that we didn't see on the DVDs on the episodes that we watched, but stuff that I remember, just the, all the different um, pranks that he plays on them across the year. That that was actually quite funny I don't it never kind of like consciously came out and I don't know whether Coronation Street they must have realised this but they never tried to capitalise on the fact that really Derek and Mavis were dinkies as well yeah very true but they were like just kind of out of, out of not out of choice you know like the most noble way to not have children is to not choose that path and have it thrust upon you mm. rather than being selfish and not and wanting to spend your money on uh fancy olives and nice yeah well wine. <laughs> let's let's just pause for a second then and um let's talk Derek and Mobis who I think were ju- just at their peak in the early 90s Yes, Derek and Mavis. What a Corey Power couple. <laughs> These obviously are couples that we'd seen, you know, for a long time I'd on Coronation Street. I see them in and out. And, and I can't remember how, when exactly they got married now, but this was them settled down, married life. New Street, of course, the early 90s were the, was the introduction of the, the Grape Street set, wasn't it? So we had the, the, the Maisonettes, the factory, the new cabin even. Because um, there was that oh, yeah. sad episode where Rita says goodbye to the old cabin set and kind of gives it a kiss and leaves it. So that was all kind of out with the old well, and the, in with the new. But The Maisonettes and stuff were, yeah. were built. Yeah. Yeah. At this period. So the other side of the street was the community centre and the factory and stuff. Mm. But this was probably the first time people had lived there since Val died. 
Um, yeah, I think so. I think so. So that was like 1971 or something. Mm. And this and, and and Mavis and Derek's story was just about them wanting to settle down. They've they finally found each other and, and got married after all the years of dithering. They just want to have a nice cozy life in a in a nice Sounds house idyllic. with a garden and yes. you know flowers and a little pond with a water feature oh, out the back. I want but, a water feature. But they would live next to this awful neighbour that was just. Um, well, they were arrogant, weren't they? They were they were arrogant and um, uh, laughing at everybody. And the Barnes were talking about. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, Derek is uh, fairly arrogant himself, one Well, this is say. the trouble, isn't it? They, they, they were both stuck in their ways in, in different different ways. So so you had Derek and, every, and Mavis wanted a quiet life, and you had, like, Stefan and Des sort of, like, well, being, well, you know, we're young and let's enjoy life. Let's have a party if we want one. And, and it's, it, I was, I've enjoyed seeing Derek's, like, ambitions with his work as well. And he's, like, he's he's reached that stage in his life where he realises that people aren't, you know, clamouring to, to hire him. They're not yeah. taking him seriously anymore. So we, we saw him, like, go for that school caretaker's job, for example, which... Um, he was yeah. overqualified for, and and well, I love the the scene where after he gets the job, and then he goes to see Jim in the Rovers, and says, "Ha, ah, you said I wouldn't be able to get that job, and I didn't, and then uh, and I did." And Jim was like, "Yeah, but did you actually? You didn't did you want, want the, you, you want the job." And there's this brilliant there. moment of revelation on Derek's face when so, he realizes no, he does really, he doesn't actually want this caretaker's job because what we also didn't really see very much of. Um, in the first half of the nineties, was the first half of the first half of the nineties was him working for Victor Pendlebury again because Victor comes back. We saw like one scene where he's there massaging Mavis's foot, but um, there's a great little power dynamic for a few years between them as well. The yeah. the the, the ex lover who has gone on to do very well for himself and owns the company and Derek's just trying to skibby around. He's currently now working for his ex wife Angela Hawthorne yeah, as yeah. well, so he never quite manages to get up and be a big shot businessman that he liked. Of course, Norris comes in in 1994 as well. And there's some excellent scenes where um, Derek's trying to big himself up and, and, and talk like, you know, he's this this big executive and he's, you know, just, you know, weighing up his options for, for work. That's why he's not settled down with anything. And, and I mean, what, what did you think of early Norris? We'll get back to Mary Well, I just Davis want to say something about, oh, about Derek. And I think... Again, a lot of what I say about social commentary in Coronation Street is a bit flaky and um, nebulous. But I, I'm going to say that I think that Derek was sort of representative of the last... The generation of people who thought that they had a job for life. When they, when they sent to a company or if they started a career, they would be in that job forever and then they get their carriage clock, and then they'd retire, mm. you know? And and De- Derek kind of represented this kind of economic anxiety of of a of a man in, in a, of a generation who had grown up with this concept, who was now watching it slowly slipping away from him as companies changed and grew and em- employed people and hired new ambitious people and technology is changing and we're starting to see people talking about computers and things in the show. Mm. And um, he's kind of losing grasp on what it means to be successful or how to navigate this world competitively. And I think that he was a really good symbol of, of that kind of a generation of people that were seeing things that they took for granted being taken away. And that's why I think they worked really well against the um against uh Des and Steph yeah. because they were the new generation of like uh, if you think about it as like loyalty like Derek was the kind of guy he would probably want to start a, a company at the bottom and work his way up to the top and then retire. Mm. Give his loyalty to the company 
and work really hard. And whereas, like, um, Des was the kind of guy, he's like a ducker and diver, you mm. know, always, um, like, negotiating a different job somewhere else, moving around, not loyal to anything. And yeah. this was a real clash of cultures that happened in the 80s and the 90s, not just in the UK, but also in, in the US as well mm. and other countries. And I think, I think Norris was able to adapt more as well, maybe being a, a, that little bit younger possibly, because you see yeah. him sort of excelling and, and overtaking Derek. And uh... It's strange that, that um, I would say that Norris was a bit more of a, of a sort of canny and ruthless businessman. Yeah, he when was. When he first came in, because he was doing all the, like, the, what was it? He was doing the dehumidifiers. Yeah, what was the company? Uh, Envirosphere. That's right. You know, like, selling it from home, and, and he was he was sort of interviewing Derek in his own house about his business prospects mm. and sizing and, them up. And he and... wouldn't let a woman time down as well, because he had obviously just come out of this um, marriage to... Uh, Myrtle, I think, at the beginning, and then and now he's kind of free and single and free and able to travel the country and, and do whatever for his job. Whereas Derek was tied yeah, down to, but, to but Mavis see, and, and, and his budgie, yeah. But that was kind of what you were supposed to do when Derek was a lad get a wife and a house, yeah, you know, a three bedroom house, um, with a garden and, and, a, and a woman, maybe a you know, kids if you can, pets if you can't, mm. <laughs> and then you've got Norris and, and Des kind of rubbing his nose in it a little bit, yeah. Although we've started now to see the beginnings of um, Norris getting the egg on his face because he's been charmed by Angela, hasn't he? Just yeah. in the recent episode and that Angela we've seen. Is Angela is Derek's. Um, no, Angela is. Oh, I've lo- yeah. De- Angela is Derek's ex-wife. Yeah. Who is this formidable force that was talked about for years on the show, but we never she's actually like saw. Fat and and <laughs> I never think she, she was, right. and and now we've seen her, and she's just this hard-faced woman. This. You know. Well, you know, you know, you say that about her, but she's no different from a man who is focused on his no. career. And again, you know, the anxiety of a man who was offered and promised everything on the basis of his gender and his, you know, loyalty to the company coming up against competition from women and younger people. Mm. They didn't have to kind of outright state any of this. This was all just kind of like... This was all undercurrents of what society was and what people were worrying about, and so the fact that they captured this in all these characters. Yeah, and, and now Derek just... is is they've got the embarrassment of working for his ex wife. He's got this green car with a giant paper clip on the top, yeah. and it's just a bit of a joke. Whereas everyone around him seems to be flourishing. There was even and... a scene that we watched recently where Mavis brings his sandwiches out to the car, wrapped up in tinfoil, and gives it to him secretly because she knows he doesn't want everyone to know that he eats sam- he eats lunch at work because mm. it was a status symbol, you know, to yeah. to not have your your lunch made for you. Mm. But but you know, the old picket fence and you know two point four kids thing would be your wife stays at home and makes you your lunch. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the the other thing that I want to say about the Wiltons before we move on is for me that they they almost took the place of the Ogdens as providing the little comic relief sort of stories yeah. that would last for an episode or two. Yeah. Um. And I, I think that the the parsnip incident <laughs> back in nineteen ninety one was the the ultimate hilarious Mavis and Derek story where she, um, she has got it into her head 
from a magazine or something that parsnips are a, a mega aphrodisiac. So she she's been secretly feeding them to to Derek and having these partners surprise and roast parsnips with the Sunday lunch and everything. And he <laughs> and and she comes to work late one day, doesn't she? Because she talks about oh, how yeah. Derek was overcome with passion and wouldn't they get out of really bed this morning? Like... And Rita's relationship <laughs> with Mavis was always hilarious. Uh, but so to see Rita's. Um, She's like, oh, good on you. Yeah, Rita's relationship with Mavis reminded me of an older sister who'd been forced to bring their younger sister out somewhere cool. And they spent the whole time being like, yeah, whatever, I don't even care about her. But like, if you were like, oh yeah, Rita, isn't Mavis a dork? She would have gone, excuse me, Mavis is the most pure person ever born. How dare you be rude I just love her, her sarcasm Do you not towards think Mavis. So? Yeah, their no, relationship I... is like, it is like Mavis is Rita's little sister. Yeah, she's 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 a, who she kind of like doesn't really want to hang around with, but is forced through circumstance. Well, also she she finds her ways amusing as well because I yeah, think Rita definitely her. finds herself superior, thinks herself oh, as being does. superior to Mavis, and Mavis doesn't do much to to stop that either, does she? And then, you know, it's but, arguable uh, as to who comes out on top in the end. I mean, who's living in Carmel right now? Well, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, Rita had the chance. We've just <laughs> seen this on TV three as well. We'll, we'll leave that to the second half okay. of the night. But the the parsnip episode was great because it was where it ends with. Derek coming home from work having slapped the cleaning woman on the bottom <laughs> it's just utterly ridiculous no I know it's utterly ridiculous but it was hilarious at the time and I also really loved with them um, speaking of sketches I suppose the bit when um, they ended up getting stranded at the airport for a couple of episodes yeah. I think that was in 1990 Alec ha- wins or gets a holiday and sells it to them and then the holiday the company goes, goes bust. bust and this also happened this was another thing that I think was based on real life events that happened to people, and this is why we have all these like atoll protected stuff now because this, you know, this was a worry mm. at the time that your your company would just kind of go, nah, sorry, yeah. you can't come home. But that that was hilarious, and the guy that they were trapped at the airport with was uh, was good, and then yeah. they, they, Alec ends up coming having to come and rescue them, but dumps them on the on the road halfway or halfway yeah. home because they're being annoying in the car. But another another, and this is going to be my last thing that I'm going to say about American Davis because I could talk forever about how great they were. Um, the best did you cameo, say American Davis? American Davis. Brilliant, my best two episode cameo in Coronation Street. Victor Pendlebury's wife, Yvonne. Yes. I was like, we've got to watch this, Gemma. Yeah. You, 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 t- tell, you talk about this then, because this is the one. Um, well, why did you pick this for me to watch? Oh, well, just because it was somebody who, um, who. A character who is a Mavis to the extreme. She wasn't like a famous actress, was she? No, no, I don't think so. So she. So, yeah, so she was basically. <laughs> yeah, Mavis she, point 2.0. Yeah, because Victor comes round for dinner. He kind of comes round, round flaunting this... his wife yeah. at Derek and Mavis as if to say, I don't even need you guys anymore because I've got my own family now. And she's like, oh, oh, hello. I mean, they should have got blooming Les Dennis to play. They, they should have done. <laughs> it, I've never seen, well, very rarely seen a, another character that is brought in just to be they a do caricature of a character who is already quite comedic they have occasionally they've done it like they? three times in coronation but history this, this but was this was so it, so funny. perfect it was just playing up all of mavis's patheticness to mm. the extreme wasn't it and she's just quiet and shy and doesn't I want to say anything wouldn't say boo to a goose and, Dave, and mavis gets mavis doesn't like it mavis hates it because yeah. she realizes that kind of victor sees a bit of mavis in this yeah. new wife of his who's that absolute doormat well she calls her uh, so that she says like she's got a personality of a lettuce and the looks to match or something <laughs> Thing. and um, that it was just 
really, really brilliant. Um, I, I love that character. and uh, Yeah, yeah so the, we, I like things like that. Her. It's a bit funny. It kind of reminds me of um, Shaun the Dead where they all meet up with yeah, their Yeah, I know what you mean. It was, it was like that. It was like And that. we also had, uh, that was the same episode, we had the Pom Delight girls and Jenny Bradley and was it Steph that did it? They were yes. going around like promoting this new like cider Whenever I have cider now, I'm just going to pretend it's Pom Delight. I know. <laughs> I need, I need, um, what I need to do is have a Coronation Street, like, ball where hard, all of us are hardcore fans can, can, like, rent a hotel somewhere in Manchester and have, like, a proper really great, like, event. And one of the days will be a fancy dress ball where everyone dresses as like real deep cut Coronation Street costumes and somebody has to come as the Pom de Light girls because that was a costume and a half, wasn't it? It was. It was like they were like a poison ivy out of Batman. Yeah. Dressed up in all their leaves. <laughs> what did you uh, what did you think of Jenny in the nineties? Because she I, I feel that she didn't make a huge, huge No, she splash. was like she it was, was like kind a of petering. shit that passed in the night for me because yeah. she, she she was really yeah, she she was a lot more. I felt like a lot a uh, lot more um, sympathy sympathy towards her when her dad was in it as well, and you could mm. see her relationship with him and Rita. And then he died, and obviously uh, Rita and her grew estranged. And it was just a really kind of sad and tragic story of how um, they just didn't really communicate with one another. And she ends both up going of off them, with a dentist I'm, I'm honestly going to say that they both took each other for granted because um, we saw the end of Jenny. We saw her end, then she came back, and then she, she left again, again exactly. pretty quickly. So we saw the end of her. Yeah. Um. She she has an affair. She she kind of like tries to make her way doing various things, including being a pom delight girl. She has an affair with somebody. She goes away with him, but then she comes back with a dog. <clears throat> with a Nikita, good trade. Akita dog. Yeah. Which was used to be I used to have an Akita, and she basically says to Rita, "Go into business with me. Here's my proposal." Um, I want to buy this salon. I want to do this, that, and the other thing. I need thirty thousand pounds. I know you've got the money because this was after Rita had uh, been left a load of money from Ted in her will. We'll mm. get to that in a minute. Um, so she wanted the money from Rita to start up this business, and Rita kind of thought, "Oh, she's she's being presumptuous. She wants money. All she wants from me is money." And I genuinely think that. Jenny wasn't trying it on. I thought that she really she I might know. not have it might not have actually worked. I don't know out whether like it's this. our Jenny bias showing. No, but, but I don't I don't know whether she was being I think she was being naive and I think Rita could see that she didn't get what fully what she was asking or how this would end up. But Rita made no attempt to sort of say to her, Jenny, this isn't gonna work out. Why don't why don't you train up or why don't we look at this or why don't you try something different? She just basically wrote her a check and told her to get lost. Yeah, and pounds, I hated don't... this. I thought they were both being really, really mean to each other and it was so sad that that was that was almost the end of those two characters. So I'm mm. really glad now to know that Jenny came back to the show to make amends with Rita and they're really on good terms and like, you know, mother mother and daughter like they should yeah. have been. Because I thought this was such a crap way to end. Mm. And um yeah, because like I well, said, it's like how Bet and Rita ended up, isn't yeah, it? Not, not that we've money. seen Bet go yet. That's that's for nineteen ninety five. This is why you should never tell people when you get money. You should never never tell them. Yeah. What did you What did you make of the story where Rita makes her fortune then with Ted? Wasn't he lovely? <laughs> lovely <laughs> he dead so, Ted. Lovely dead Ted. I, I I wanted to show you that story, and, and I picked a few episodes, um, particularly just to highlight how 
how just nice he was. And I think he, he doesn't get remembered particularly fondly by a lot of Corey fans. But um, I thought that he was a, yeah, just a really just nice... Just he was kind of a bit of a nothing man. But um, I don't, you know, Rita's got enough personality for for two people. So you don't really... It was just like <clears> the, the the perfect, and it could have been a perfect ending for her, settling down with this yeah. thoroughly nice chap after having... Um, you String know, of men. Uh, yeah, uh, Les. Uh, uh, so Len, who went bad. Alan Bradley, who went bad. And there's this 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 retired little um, sweet salesman who comes in and um, just whisks her away and promises her a perfect retirement. We're going to go off to Florida together, and then reveals that he's got this brain injury after cancer. she's yeah, sorry brain cancer tumor. tumor after she's agreed to marry him. And it was just utterly tragic seeing her realise that this, this dream guy Happily they've only got six months or whatever with. Um, and then, then he ends up dying at that per- at, at Percy's bowling match, which has also been referenced recently on Coronation Street. It was just a, a very short but really b- bittersweet story. T- tell you what, I think that of all the characters in Corrie, I honestly think that Rita's had the most tragic life. But she never goes on about it, so how are you supposed to be able to tell? <laughs> you know, she she's really <clears throat> she likes to give advice and she kinda looks like a um, self indulgent old woman who's continuously like, I know about this because blah blah blah. But actually she does because she's really been through the ringer. Mm. She's like all her husbands have died. Yeah. And yeah, this was really sad because um yeah, she like that you said they were gonna start a new life in America and she kind of had to commit to the idea of leaving her friends and family behind. Yeah, there's all, there was also, which we didn't see a whole lot of, her having to cover up to all her friends and, and neighbours that Ted's dying and they start to think that he's, you know, an alcoholic because he starts slurring his words and oh, everything yeah, and she has, to, she has to hide it. And, and also what we didn't get to see very much of was the aftermath of his death when his family are yes. trying to get back the money that he has left to Rita. And that to be really honest, I might be a bit, a bit annoyed <laughs> if, my, <laughs> if my dad went off with some red-headed floozy from Manchester and like left my inheritance to her after yeah. she knew... Well, how long did they know each other? It wasn't long, was it? It was less than a year, I'm <laughs> And what did she use it for? She didn't even invest in a business. Well, she she gave it to Sally, Blimmin' Sally, Sally Webster. Sally getting a lot of it, yeah. Sally, I'll tell you what, the Websters are like the windfall family because they got that money, they got the scratch card money, they got Debbie's... Debbie bought their great-aunt whatever mm. money. Speaking of the Websters, I've, I've not been that that excited by them in the early I 90s. I certainly don't... I can't imagine myself watching this as a as a child of the 90s going, yes, the Websters... And I'm Best almost, uh, and, and it's always, you know, brought up as this is the family that Brian yes. Park split up because they're the most perfect, loving yeah. family. And, and I think, how, how dare he do that? And, uh, but actually, they, they, like, yeah, the they, they weren't that excited. They were, they were good for each other. They were a great well, match. And the chemistry and between right, Mike and Sally was, was obvious, but they, they never really got into that much excitement. And there, there was that little affair that almost was with uh what was his name john or something the guy who yes brings the babysitter his, man. yeah the, the the person whose whose son sally looks after and they go to the lake district together and he tries it on with her and that that feels like a bit of a forgotten story but yeah on the whole the the, the websters just weren't particularly exciting or, or no, that I interesting mean, um they weren't but the most exciting thing that happened to them is kevin got his mustache shaved off during that party at the barnes's that one time and that's another one that i said we gotta watch this this is a famous moment Gemma. Yeah. here goes kevin with, with his mustache gone i think the biggest bit for me was the the kind of second child conflict they had when they already had rosie and 
they wanted another child and Kevin was like, it's not time, we can't afford it, we, we're, we're too poor. Mm. And then Sally found out she was pregnant. She knew that Kevin would be mad about it, but she told him anyway and he was mad about it. Yeah. It's like, Kevin, if you don't <laughs> want to eat the cake, don't make the batter. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, uh, we've just. But that recently... really annoyed, That obviously really annoyed me because, like, she was burdened with this problem mm. that was their problem, but because she's the one who has to birth the child, yeah. she was like the one who brought the problem to his door. <laughs> I mean, we've just recently had on ITV three the 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 infamous affair with uh, Natalie Horrocks, and that's been really really quite exciting. So maybe you know, maybe Brian Park. It was onto something, maybe. Well, like we saw... It's a shame because I do love a long-term couple in Coronation yeah. Street. We but... saw Sally put on some earrings and go to try to seduce somebody at a garage today, but I don't really know what that was about. Oh, yeah, this is, this is her she moving on. She some nice lipstick she and a nice She tries to pair seduce Chris Collins in 1997. Clip-on earrings. Yeah. Um, what, what was she moving on from? From Kevin. Why? Because she's now split up with him because he's going off with, with, with Natalie Horrocks. That never really came up in the episodes. Well, we haven't watched that yet. That's in 1997. This is the trouble, right? Because we're watching... What's the difference in time? Like, four years' worth? Yeah, we're we're getting close. We're going to overtake it soon. I was sitting in the room when Michael was watching a 1997 episode of Sally putting on some clip-on earrings and a nice lipstick. And I was like... But she's just had Sophie. What's she doing? <laughs> okay. Yeah, the timelines are getting all you mixed need up. To, you need to get one of those privacy um, screens for the television when I'm sitting in the room. Or maybe I need to wear like a one of those like don't lick yourself dog collars so I can't <laughs> see, can't see what's going on. Spoilers for 1997. <laughs> um, what else do we talk about? Who else is there? What are the stories? Can oh, I? Oh, go on. Yeah. No, no, I, I haven't got anything. I, I've got... I really, really liked watching... Samir. Oh, yes, because we, we've seen, I mean, again, beginning of the 90s has been the aftermath of the Wendy Crozier affair, hasn't it? And Ken and Deirdre both going on to have their separate lives. And, Ke- and Deirdre goes out with Phil Jennings and stuff for a bit, which is boring. Ken's there stalking her for a bit, which is what leads to his yeah, attempted suicide. Yeah, I'm just going to say, the Ken and Deirdre stuff, it feels like an iceberg breaking off to the sea. Like, it's really important and impactful and, like, dramatic and you should care about this because it's going to drown us all. But at the end of the day, it's happening so slowly that I can't pay attention to it. And when it breaks, tell me. But other than that, I'm not really interested. Yeah. We've also had... Uh, there's also Tracy, who's become more, much more of a side character now, hasn't she? And She's sort of was, flown the nest, gone off with that Craig. Yeah, yeah. She's great, isn't She's she? fantastic, Dawn yeah. Acton. She was so, so good. We didn't see the episode with a rotten Carrie Tart. No. But we did get to see lots of brilliant performances when she finds out about, you know, the, the love triangle from the early 80s. About, so, yeah. And she's when she's rebelling against Deirdre. And she, you, I really, really believe it. So, I, I'm... I, I'm kind of aware of the the Deirdre and Ken stuff, and I, but I'm not I'm not that invested for some reason, which yeah. is weird. But I absolutely love Samir. Isn't he perfect? Uh, talk talk saw, about you know with, with Ted being the perfect gentleman. Samir. This is what I said. This is kind of like what Nina said to um, to uh, Asha? Asha about her mother being perfect and dead. And she can do no wrong. Like these men, and this is what I was saying with the Patreon episode that we did recently about top five underrated romantic couples 
the, the couple that has no chance and like is together for a year is eternally perfect in my eyes mm. because they never really had a chance to get bored of each other or like screw around on each other. But but this was like the most unlikely romance of Coronation Street history where Deirdre goes to Morocco on holiday, meets a a bloke working, a local working in a in a hotel restaurant, falls in love with him, comes back and brings him back with her. Has to and deal with all the neighbours saying, so what on earth are you doing? Not just the fact that he's Moroccan, and I think he's Muslim, and he certainly um, is, doesn't speak English as a first language, but he's also much, much younger than she well, he's, is. Well, he's, he's not that much older than Tracy. I mean, there's yes. like seven, eight, nine years maybe, and I'm not sure. So he, he comes over and he's like, you know... Uh, he's so earnest and he, he like really wants to look after her but he's not at all equipped to do that in the UK where he's not even legally allowed to work yeah but so, he, he wants to he's like I, I am the man I must I must get money I, for you I absolutely love like doing impressions of Samir because he's got such a great accent it's his intonation know, he like, just can't quite get the stress uh, right on the right syllables but and I don't know much brilliant. about the actor um, he, it's play, he's played by Al Najari mm. And I've learned some interesting facts about him. Oh, have you been doing a bit of extra research? He used to work... Obviously, he was in in Corrie for like a year, around a year or so. We we haven't reached his tragic demise yet. That's 95. No. He's a movement artist, okay? So Mm. so he was... He worked in Warhorse, which is that play with with the, the... yeah, the big horse <laughs> that goes to war. <laughs> <laughs> he was also um, a movement artist in Gravity. Oh, really? Yes. I liked that film. And most recently, he was in Bridgerton. Was he indeed? He was a lord in waiting. Oh, well, maybe I need to watch a bit and more I'll Bridgerton tell you what, then. He's actually, I mean, I don't know, I, like I said, I don't know very much about him. I don't know if he's got a, um, an, a whatever page, what's it called? Wikipedia IMDb. page. But, um, yeah, he's 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 a good he's a good looking lad, and he was also in Holby City um, oh, okay. not that long ago as well. So I, I don't know what his accent is like. I'm a bit wary of doing an impression of him, um, if his is if this is his real accent. But if it's put if he's like a, you know a London lad, he's putting on <laughs> a, a Moroccan accent. It's it's more funny. I, I think it was real. Uh, the the thing I found fascinating about but it's him, so, I just love I like I also um I do impressions of Alina, so I don't know why I'm being a bit weird about this because Alina's also an, an actress who's from Eastern Europe, mm. so that's her real voice. But I love it. There's something really exotic and beautiful about an Eastern European or Russian accent, isn't yeah. there? Yeah, which isn't where Morocco is, we'll just say. Uh... Oh, it's in Africa. I know it's in Africa, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I, I, loved, I loved how he came in and he wasn't called Samir, he was called Shamir. I know. And, and, and I was stunned by this when I watched it on ITV3 a couple of years ago, that the, uh, he came in and everyone's calling him Shamir. So what, he's Samir, isn't he? But then it, it was something to do with, they realised after a few months or somebody told the ITV production that no we don't pronounce it like that it's actually Samir so just out of nowhere they decide one episode to start calling him Samir and nobody yeah. remarks on it or anything do they by the time he's married um, it isn't a sham marriage at all because he is definitely Samir Rashid um, that, that was yeah, weird so I don't think there's ever been any other characters whose names have just well changed. I'm going to say that uh, I mean Coronation Street doesn't have a very good track record with people having a universally agreed upon pronunciation for lots of people's names, but it's particularly bad 
if you're not a white character. Like, nobody can really agree on whether it's Yasmin or Yasmin. Yeah. And I don't think that's an accent thing. No, no. Um, so, I, uh, yes, yeah, so I really liked watching Samir because, like I said, um, it was a really unusual... <laughs> it was a really un- weird and unusual choice to go, let's have a holiday romance where a woman brings brings over a like a boy who's like half her age and he isn't trying to scam her and he's her. not trying to steal all of her money he's just a really <laughs> nice guy but everyone else obviously thinks that he is and he she's having to tell like well she's he's dealing Ken with prejudice Emily. they don't make an issue out of it but he's dealing with prejudice on so many fronts here mm. he's such a beautiful soul i love samir he's like he's one of cory's innocence isn't he, he really is i want to put him in my pocket i <laughs> wish that i could save him in my pocket maybe i'll pop him in the freezer it's also not watching it knowing what happens to him as well yeah. isn't it that makes it even more tragic i'll put him in a little silicon um resealable uh pouch stick him in the freezer and then i'll thaw him out for emma and they can go off together and <laughs> have a wonderful time being sweet to each other another character who was I thought quite sweet and and was taken before before her time was Lisa Duckworth, who we didn't see a whole lot of. But I was really quite surprised when I watched back on the ITV three repeats a few years ago how just nice and normal and lovely she was. And obviously she had a tragic end um, yeah. uh, by getting knocked down <laughs> by that car in the street. I'll say one thing about this about watching Cory with you, and it's always been a theme of watching old Cory with you, but it's more pronounced now. You have watched all the episodes. And so you're a bit more in control of what's going on. But oftentimes I'll be watching an episode and it'll be really boring. And I'll be like, what's this about? And then I'll go, is this the episode where Thingy, thingy dies? Yeah. And it will be, yes, that's like, this the, is the episode. These episodes are like, oh, all these cars in the street, they're all zooming down the road. What's going to happen here? And that, that was tragic. And, and I feel sorry for Des as well, because he had a bit of a thing for, uh, for Lisa, didn't he? Because well, what, like, we, what know, we saw with them was also the, the, the marriage. Well, let's just Terry... explain. So I think we're not explaining we're... it for people that haven't... I don't know if anyone's listening to this who hasn't seen 90s Corrie and is just trying to learn about well, it. Well, with all of these, we're just jumping it's gonna back be very and forth between stories and characters. Happened. But um, Vera and Jack had, have a son, we all know this, called Terry. He's a bit of a tearaway. Tear he gets Lisa Duckworth. Lisa, something else. Uh, Horton. Horton gets her pregnant up the duff. They he ends up in prison. I've forgotten why. Uh, he punched somebody. And so security guard. They get married. Lisa and Terry get married while he's still in prison. Yeah. He gets he gets let out on day release. I loved that episode. Tell me more. Well, this is uh, he he gets let out and he has to have the 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 guards handcuffed to him and Vera throughout the episode is going oh go on let, let him off just un, un, unhook him for a bit let, let, and and uh, and in the end when this is both... why can I just say this is why God love mothers they they have such pure intentions but never trust a mother her opinion on her offspring because she's often biased well, <laughs> she spends the whole episode going oh he won't run away oh he's dead nice oh let him go oh please let him I love, let him let him have a kiss I love Vera's what? relationship with Terry because for everything that he does yep. she just she never sees always an excuse for him yeah so um, yeah he eventually gets uh, his handcuffs taken off him for the for the photographs afterwards doesn't he and, and then, then he, he runs away and then he, and then he runs off and uh, poor and old Paul Lisa and there with a baby and a wedding dress left at the church yeah crying. and then you've got Lisa's parents kind of saying oh I always knew it was a wrong one 
Um, but then he gets caught a, a couple of episodes later and he gets that excellent slow motion chase across the roof of uh, Better Boys, doesn't he? He just kind of like... It's like, like, it's like it's, I think it was all the rage at that time. Five steps because in one of, direction, um, five steps in the other, give up. Yeah, so they slow, slow it down. It was a bit Baywatch, which was also the, the thing at the time, mm. wasn't it? But, um, but the Terry Duckworth version. Trust Manchester to come up with Baywatch, which is a, like middle-aged, overweight guy <laughs> fumbling around the top of a car park. Well, I think Terry was still, you know, relatively fit at the time. Okay, I'm, I'm, projecting, I'm projecting old Terry Duckworth onto yeah. young, virile Terry Duckworth. I felt so bad for Lisa during that. And then, um, and then obviously the, 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 the big climax to this which comes a couple of years later is when um after we've seen years of um Vera and Jack trying to bring up baby Tommy themselves and absolutely devoted to this little kid and everybody telling them you can't do it you're too old to looking after them and then we're seeing the financial struggles they're going through Vera gets yeah. caught trying to shoplift in better buys because she just hasn't got two pennies to rub together but she's determined to look after this kid they really then, are the the Stan and Hilda of their yeah, they 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 certainly softened them up during yeah. the early nineties. I don't think they were always like this. No, but then I we think. have this Christmas Eve episode in ninety three where um, Jack finds out that Terry has sold Tommy to the Hortons, yeah. and they meet up Terry and the Hortons in this secluded well not secluded at all is this this country lane somewhere and he he does the deal and and gives them the baby and get and gets the money and vera's reaction to this it's it's like her heart gets torn in two isn't it when she finds out we obviously have the great punch where jack lays uh uh, knocks terry out into the christmas tree yeah you haven't explained this was at christmas this was christmas eve vera's been preparing for the best christmas ever with her grandson um buying in presents and, you know, getting getting the decorations ready with a lovely little bonnie baby boy that she's got and then snatched off of her, mm. by, by, betrayed by her son. Yeah. And she still forgives him. Yeah, after all this, she does. But the, the end of the episode where she's, like, banging on the, the window going, Terry, Terry, no, no. It's, oh. oh, gosh, it's, it was awful. I wonder but that she's was, so snitty. That was <laughs> such a brilliant episode and such a, yeah, I'm such really invested in that story. There's so much stuff to talk about that we haven't the, talked about I know, we, we've like, got... I want to quickly just say about um, poor Emily and her doomed romance with the lovely vicar. Oh, yeah, what was his so, name? Bernard or something? Bernard, I think it was... Bernard. Um, she... She has a breakdown. This was the same five-year stretch. She has a little breakdown, doesn't she? Yeah, she does. She's kind of... I don't really understand how breakdowns work. Um, There's a bit where she's, like, looking through old photos. She just kind of shuts down. Yeah, she does. And and Percy's there trying to find out what's going on. I mean, I I think living with Percy would drive anybody insane. She becomes very distant and, and kind of withdrawn. And she forgets things. And she's not sure... She's not really present... But she kind of she 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 comes out of it, but then eventually I can't remember where she meets this guy. Um, it's at um, it's at the wedding. It was somebody's wedding. I forgot. Oh no, it was Olive Olive's wedding. That's that's another brilliant story. So Percy's friend from war. Nobby. He, he died. He's died recently. Leaves a widow behind, and he becomes very territorial and like he feels like he owes her to look up. He owes Nobby to look after this yeah. this lady. He's not interested in him whatsoever. But she is as a friend, and well, she she thinks yeah, she thinks he's a nice guy. And and Percy yeah, and and Percy he's who, like misguided um 
like sense of duty that he feels that he has to look after her. Yeah, and he's never one. He he's never one to open up his heart or anything, is he? But he does, and he proposes to Olive, and she turns him down, and he has to save face by saying, "Oh, was any joking?" Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But then, then, like six months later. She, would they get invited to Olive. her uh, to Olive's wedding to this other guy, um, who turns out the, the, to be the conscientious objector during the war? And Percy there Percy in the views, he's like he he goes to stand up to complain, and Emily that, pulls him that, down that, like no. That was so so funny. Yeah. I I love so, Percy. So he did not like the vicar because part of the big vicar's sort of talk a speech during the wedding was talking about you know the noble calling of the conscientious conscientious objector yeah blessed be the peacemakers yes and so so Percy did not like this but um Emily obviously didn't care and so she got chatting to this vicar who then she grew very close to but then we had a really sad scene this was at Easter and this was a double episode where Coronation Street was going head to head with EastEnders yes and so they had to pull out all the big guns. So they thought, well, who best to pull on the heartstrings but Emily? So they had um, they had quite a lot of really fraught scenes with this vicar who had found out from Percy, I yeah. think, um, that Emily had had this mental ish, mental health problem that she'd gone through. And he couldn't cope, this vicar, because he had memories of his mother and what she went through, and he couldn't go through it again. No, and she had dementia. So he has the most... She didn't have melodram- dementia. Or whatever. She, he Emily has the didn't. most... Oh, no, no, no. He has the most melodramatic breakdown ever. I know, he's it. such you a know, Wails ham. and blubs, he really, really was. Like, Emily, I can't live like this. Oh! <laughs> and she, really and she basically... Emily was like an ice queen, wasn't she? Yeah. Like, she just completely shut down, and she was like, if that's how you feel, then you must go with your heart. But then she ends up spending the rest of the episode like quietly building up to maybe going postal on person. Raging, quietly drinking sherry. That's what Emily's like. Emily's life is quiet rage and sherry drinking (laughs) until she finally escapes to Peru. Yeah. Um, The the, the Percy and Emily stuff was just brilliant. He's so oblivious to how much he irritates her. He thinks he's doing her a favour. Yeah, yeah. By living with her and sort of you know, providing for her in some kind of nebulous, masculine way that never really, mm. he never really um, uh, confronts because he probably would realise it was just all mm. But Percy's been car- continuously excellent during this era with Phyllis, which I don't think we really need to go into as we talked about them last week on the podcast. Yeah. But also, just today, we watched the episode where he and Maureen and Maud went off to the, Ma- the Normandy graves for the... Um, the anniversary of the second world war ending in 1994 so it's the 50th anniversary yeah and um that was some really really touching scenes wasn't it seeing seeing um bill waddington and elizabeth bradley who played first percy percy and maud looking down these rows and rows of graves and probably the actors knowing people who would have fought and lost their lives during the war as well, well they were alive during the war and they were entertainers i think yeah and, and they they were just Brilliant. It was listened, somber and serious and so believable and and they would have heartfelt. known they would have known people that went to to war, but they would. I mean, I'm not. I'm not sure of the specifics of those two actors, but you know, I think I think I'm right in saying they were performers. I don't know about Elizabeth, but I think um, Bill was. Bill yeah. Waddington was, and he would have stood there in front of troops, in front of Hallsworth of of young men, performing and cheering them up and 
telling jokes and making them laugh and sending them to war and knowing that they were going to die. Mm. He must have looked into the eyes of hundreds of men who then lost their lives. Yeah. And he channeled that. And and it's so it was so sad to watch too because, you know, we're both of a generation where our grandparents were alive during the war, but I think they were a bit young to be fighting. Um, but like, but we, but my point is that we were, we were, we're a generation who have been alive during a time when we could have sp- speak directly to people who were veterans of World War Two, yeah. who were you know young, young, young enough, you know, young, young men like in the fifties, sixties, whatever. Because that's you know pretty young compared to how long you can actually live. Who could tell us about what it was like and talk about their experiences? And slowly that generation is dying. Mm. And it's I remember sitting in school and being you know told uh, this by my history teacher. You know these people won't be around forever. Talk to them while you have the chance. And sort of you know as you as you do when you're a kid like whatever. Mm. And now watching watching it happen and knowing that these people aren't around now. And slowly, one by one, yeah. they're all disappearing. It's just so tragic. Yeah. But this is why Coronation Street, this episode, is really interesting and important and why I really love the character of Percy. Because he represents a, a character that can never exist again. Mm. Yeah. A generation. This is why I say again and again, Coronation Street is the social history of this country. And he's a character that was obviously... A, 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 often a figure of fun yeah. and people would you know ragging him for being an old fuddy-duddy yeah. and a stick in the mud but then you exactly. take take him to normandy and there were some gorgeous sweeping shots of the graves and him just standing there looking and you could see the tears welling up in his eyes and it's like he's, he's earned the right to be a fuddy-duddy well, hasn't he? and the same with 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 maud grimes as well being wheeled along by um by sherry hewson maureen and uh, and and then make, dropping that bombshell that um this is your father's grave yeah. that I'm taking you to. And Maureen, up to this totally point, had no idea that well, she, she was the father. illegitimate yeah, daughter of, of this Yankee uh, soldier. It was so, so touching. Yeah. Really, really worth well, tracking down that episode, honestly. I don't know if you've been to Wargraves. I, I have been there. I've been on a school you're history a, trip to there. I think we all have. <laughs> yeah, they took it. If you're British school well, Especially if you live in down south like you were, they just hop on a ferry, but we had a... Had a bit of a coach journey to Where get Where did here. you go? Oh, I don't remember. I mean, went I went to Belgium. I went to Ypres. I can't. I can't remember. I think it was the Normandy. You don't really have to have known anybody to go there, even as a stupid, cynical it? child who has nothing but stupidity in her head. I remember standing there and just think, being overwhelmed by the sheer number of these graves of these young mm. men who died. Yeah, it's tragic. It really, so, really so, is. Uh, yeah, I was. I was. I thought. I thought it was kind of an unusual idea for Coronation Street to to do this, but the fact that they had Percy, you know, absolutely perfect character to do it with, and I don't think they could have not done it. Mm, yeah, yeah, it was just just right. Honestly. And it really is. It really is a facet fascinating, not just to think about Coronation Street as a fictional story about you know life in the UK, but the actors themselves, their real true lives and Bill Waddington and how what he went through yeah. and other I mean if you even read like Pat Phoenix's um biography, autobiography, she talks about performing and um, you know, travelling during Yeah various periods and entertaining people. Mm. So um, let, let's, uh, as we're on the subject of Maureen, can we segue beautifully here into um, Reg and Maureen, which uh, I just love, love, love as a couple. I think they're really underrated in the pantheon of Corrie couples. 
I forgot I when they were both introduced. Reg was first in it in 1989, I think, to the tail end of it. Right. And Maureen makes Maureen her was debut. New, wasn't she? Yeah, she, she's, she's appeared in this, and the story is that and this her is. Mum. Uh, yeah, which is, and again, brilliant episode where we first meet Maud. But Reg and Maureen used to date back in the day, yes. like 25 years previously, and then she comes to work at Better Buys. And, it's like and even it's, an Arthur. It is, and it's just, uh, and and they're like giddy school children again. They're very horny. They they are really really horny, and and after we've seen so many years of Reg being, you know, a massive perv and a, and a lech and just creeping out everybody, and he really really was. <laughs> yeah, but I still was. find him hilarious, and um, wow. and he he finally meets somebody who gets him, and we he get wants some be- we get like, a couple of years of of beautiful um, comedy gold with these two. Um, yeah, these these old horn dogs basically, and obviously the waterbed scene was the is always the um, the high moment of this that always gets brought up. And it was can I just know, say also that, that was, the the waterbed moment is is the 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 best I think the best episode that we watched in the early nineties and one of my favorite favorites of all time. I want to say also that um, I that found it a bit to be quite refreshing that these two characters who were you know middle-aged um <clears throat> they're not i'm not gonna say unattractive because nobody on television is is really that unattractive maureen in particular was a nice looking lady oh she was but, but the thing with ken morley who played reg was that he was he was he wasn't nice he wasn't and, 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 they, and he had these purpose. habits exactly yeah. exactly he he made Licking himself physically unattractive and... purposefully for comic comedic effect but I just kind of, although it was kind of a bit cringy and creepy and and whatever, I still kind of really like how healthily they embraced their sex life and they didn't go into too much detail, but they they didn't make fun of them for like for for like desiring one another. No, it was more the situations that they got into, but we weren't supposed to laugh at them for sort of being horny for each other. No, no, we weren't. And I thought that was kind of a really almost quite progressive. Yeah, there concept. Was, there was the bit as well where they uh, go off on a secret meeting together when lunchtime, and yeah. that's when Better Buys gets raided by a gunman. <laughs> and he and, goes... uh, yeah, and and Reg is like. Uh, Mr. Watch, sir, you have been. Mm. I'm relieving you. I'm relieved of duty until oh eight hundred hours. Or whatever. Yeah, he, he was fantastic. Waterbed episode, brilliant. Some fantastic slapstick acting from from Ken and Sherry. Quite um, often, and... I'll watch a scene with Reg in it, and I'll laugh, and then I'll go, "Oh no!" I know, I know. You just can't help yourself, can you? The the, the carnival where he's Bacchus on the float, <sighs> and he's there kind Such of lounging on his on his chaise long with um. Ivy and Vera being his handmaidens. Like, w- wafting their fans on him and him, like, eating grapes like, in yeah. the most perverted manner possible. Sending Curly off as um, Hermes, the messenger god, to go and distribute flyers. Oh, no, I thought he left... Uh, sorry, you were out when I called leaflets. <laughs> um, but I, I just I just love everything to do with Reg, with, with Maureen, with, with Curly. They're, they're little, they're, there was so much better buys, wasn't there? Yes. In this in this. And this was how to 90s. do a business side story plots well. Because it wasn't just like, oh, better buys is going to go out of business. We need to find out how to sell these processed peas to to this buyer is that's what that's what underworld is like or it's really boring if there's ever a story about underworld it's either who's selling whose shares or what can we do about the fact that we haven't got any business whereas mm. better buys was just where where people worked 
Mm. And and they managed to make stories about that without making it really crap. Yeah, the, the the trolley dash episode was good. That was the first time that we saw Raquel, wasn't it? Where Reg, um, uh, what's the word? He he fixes the trolley dash so that Rita wins it. Yeah, he's, he's trying, trying to get to into her Rita. Um, it, it it was yeah, great, 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 great stuff. I I I understand. Well, one of the best things Reg. that came out of the Better Boys stuff was what's his face, Brendan Scott. Yes, oh, go on then, because he so, was a revelation <laughs> to you. He was a character that you knew nothing about. Wasn't I he, knew before? that I knew that Coronation Street had a guy in it who was in who was in Star Wars once, and we talked about it loads of times. We watched it, and we were like, "Where's he from?" Who's he? And he reminds me of um, Charlie Bucket's teacher from um, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I'm surprised actually when I looked him up that I didn't really see that much else that he'd been in because he's got one of those faces where he looked like he's always been on television. But he was the guy who gets strangled by Darth Vader in like A New Hope or whatever, whichever yeah. episode it is. Um, but he, but he was in Coronation Street as like this kind of clueless yet determined manager of, of better boys who then takes over the corner shop which is vacated by um who leaves who who leaves it was that alf that was alf there and audrey before? leave because they, then... they decide to go after live them well don't because they? oh alf's friend dies of a heart attack and yeah. he doesn't want to go the same way so he sells up and then brendan scott buys it and he turns it into this like twee little kind of like um it looks like something out of uh, disney world like uh, Harry Potter land or something where it's all wooden It's all about traditional values. And he makes Deirdre wear a little lace hat yeah. and pinafore. And he's trying to... He's like... All all the uh, pulses are in like mason jars. And then you have um, Phyllis coming in going, Oh, have you got any of those you got funny any... spaghetti shit? <laughs> yeah, so I like, I like, so I like something to look at when uh, I'm eating. Oh, <laughs> one of those ones that are shit like bats. <laughs> and he's like, No, no, we don't have any of those. Um, but he, there was no humour to his character. He he was a very humorless was like, man, wasn't he? Yeah, but he was, he didn't get people. He kind of reminded me of the child catcher. Yeah. In, um, in, in Chessy Chitty Bang Bang. So yeah, in like a kind of like really physically kind of disturbing, but with no, you can't put a pin on why you was frightened of him, but you were. Mm. But he yeah, and he um he just kind of like shoehorned his idea of what a twee little corner shop should be and he was charging so really extortionate prices and giving and patronising people as well giving them like giving uh, the pensioners like these little vouchers to save up for Christmas and they're like I don't care about this mm. and uh, then he just dies yeah, because on the he, floor he, he has to go and do the uh, the bike he, he, the yes. delivering bread he on bike or something or he fires somebody. Nicky yeah and he, he, yeah, his his big um, rev, uh, was the innovation is to do deliveries on this really rickety bike down like, the cobbles. Victorian looking old schooly bike with a big basket on the front, and uh, yeah, he just has a heart attack for all the strain. Mm. Yeah, that was a really nice little mini story, yes. wasn't it? And and Brendan had been in it for a couple of years previously. He would swan in and strike terror into the heart of Reg and Curly when he would come to visit because he was area manager of Better Buys. But um, they didn't need at all to to do this with him. I'm so so glad they did because he was a uh, 
He's, he's definitely. It sort a, of reminds a, me a little bit of unremembered when, character, sadly. Yeah, a li- it reminds me a little bit of like when Maureen Lipman was the landlady of the Rovers for yeah, that really just that little stint. tiny little bit, and they were like, right, we need to, we need to bridge between these two stories, and we don't know what to do. They just put a yeah. character in there for a tiny mini story. It, was, it just worked absolutely perfectly. I'm just having a look at the notes around where we're reading this, and I wanted to go back to Percy because how can we talk Percy without mentioning the Klaus Müller story? Speaking of, of of the war, and th- this was, again, one of my favourite, favourite ones that we watched. Um, so this is somebody who had been a prisoner of war um, that Percy had ended up cooking for during so in, the, during the France, Second World War. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and he comes looking for Percy, and Percy had, wants nothing to do with no. him. And he's like... Uh, you know, he was on the get... other side. Yeah, exactly. And, and it was just a, some gorgeous softening on the part of Percy towards Klaus, who is, you know, this charming guy who's He's telling just, like, him how wonderful... He's just, like, relentlessly cheerful, and he saying how not... wonderful p- yeah. Percy's cooking was, and this is what kind of makes Percy give him the time of day, really. I mean, if anyone in, in Europe's going to compliment a Brit's cooking, it might be the Germans. Yeah, yeah. He al- <laughs> it's all just beer he also and gets, He also gets told from Klaus about one of his old army mates dying <laughs> in, in Klaus's arms, which yeah. kind of softens him to it. And uh, and then the end of the episode, they've, all, they've both got drunk on schnapps in the lounge at number this three. Songs. And they're singing songs and it is I, I, it never gets played on clip shows or anything it's it's a forgotten scene I think but when I watched that on ITV3 a couple of years ago it just warmed my heart and yeah. seeing these former enemies coming together and, and bonding and yeah, it was just beautiful Percy had always Loved been it. a bit xenophobic hadn't he oh yeah 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 because of his experience during the war you can't really blame him for not biking anything European <laughs> but it kind of broadened his horizons a little bit and it was also another thing that was symbolic of um, I think the the consciousness of the country in general mm. I think we all I, I remember reading stories and I don't know when this sort of first started happening I wouldn't say it took that long but of stories of people who fought in the war against other people who they then met in peacetime and sort of realised that there was no reason to yeah, to this fight is another this human person. Being. Yeah. And I mean you can say you know, you can say a lot about yeah. Germany and, and during the war, but a lot of the soldiers weren't Nazis. The Nazi yeah. party was a an entity that was separated and um a lot of the you know, the, the German soldiers weren't didn't have ideologies. Mm. They just got conscripted so that kind of humanization of of kind of Mm. of the enemy yeah Yeah. anyway so so i just wanted to interrupt there because i know we've been talking about a really good uh, thing to bring up that episode um going back to the shop again i mean should we make the segue to elf and audrey Ah! <laughs> yeah, you love Audrey's them. like my favourite character. She is so so good. She's such she is an a height of her brilliance in the early nineties, and I just love how Alf wants is you know wants to wind down, and uh, she's got no intention of that she just wants to steal all of it or to take all his money. Steal? Go go shopping. Well, she thinks it's hers now, uh, and he's constantly trying to rein her in, but yeah. she's having none of it. I just want to say also that this was like a really a shocking thing to watch as a sort of a modern woman, but to we should not erase the progress that has been made for women's rights and equality. And we, I think lots of young girls and women don't appreciate how under the thumb women have been even recently, like running a marathon 
yeah, great, you can run a marathon now if you want to, but, you know, back in, I don't even know, it wasn't that long ago, um, you weren't allowed to because they thought your womb would fall out of your vagina. Really? Yes, there was a, a the Boston Marathon, I can't remember if it was the 70s or the 80s, the, a woman had to run it um, under a fake name and she tried to complete it and she was, like, attacked on on the course by the, um, what are they called, you know, the adjudicators yeah. and stuff, to stop her from running. Why? I don't know. You know, that you couldn't open your own bank account, weren't allowed a credit card, couldn't sign up for a mortgage without having a man to, to vouch for you. Mm. Uh, Alf and Audrey, Alf was such an old-fashioned guy. Yeah. He had Audrey, and, and they really had different expectations, and it kind of was, it was kind of nice that they, it didn't really bring up too much conflict, because they kind of were okay with them with having disagreements mm. it wasn't the end of their relationship but for example audrey would work at the at the corner shop and then alf would fiddle, fiddle on his taxes i think and um basically she was an employee and so she was supposed to be earning wages oh yeah yeah that's right and he ended up owing her like 10 grand that he never gave her but because she was his wife and he provided all you know mm. he didn't think that she deserved to have any money mm. And and but she was never in control of what the finances were. No. She wasn't supposed to be allowed to have decisions, but she would make them anyway. She'd be like, "All right, we're going to move to Grassmere Drive. I'm going to buy this dress. I'm going to buy this hat. I need this jewelry." Mm. But he always thought that she shouldn't be allowed to have those opinions or make those decisions because he, he was the man. He doesn't but it wasn't come across like, as it wasn't you know misogynistic. nasty. It was just how it was. Yeah. And and I think that they kind of you know it was like um, that thing about a fish doesn't know what water is. Because they're in it the whole time. Mm. Yeah. And she never took really offence to it. She well, just thought it was funny. She, she did. She didn't care. He, she he didn't would take protest and he'd just say, okay, well, I'll, it's whatever, really I'll, weird. I'm off to the show. It's shot. really weird because he, like, had, he, almost in that relationship, he had almost absolute control over everything because he controlled the finances and she had no input. Mm. But she didn't take him seriously. So yeah. it was a really weird juxtaposition of, like, absolute power and complete, like, apathy. Well, speaking of absolute power, I particularly enjoyed his um, becoming mayor and yeah. her as the. Don't take no- Mer, sorry, and her as the murress didn't didn't care i loved it when he was getting sworn into it and she was there listening at the the town hall to all the pomp and ceremony yeah that he would have to go through and uh, she'd come back and she was laughing about all these all these kind of like traditions little little ceremonies that they did and it kind of was the boys club you know and all their like it's almost like um the the mate Freemasons or something yeah. their weird little arcade. Oh, you wait until the square dealers. Come well, on. exactly. That's, but that's she was like, year, oh, it's so silly that to like yet to ask permission to come in or something like that. Yeah. She doesn't care. She just and she finds it very boring, and she tells him all the time she thinks it's dull and stupid. But then and, and then so she she stops doing it and Betty comes along and yeah. is the new Murress and she doesn't like that, does she? No, but I kind of like the fact that Be- the Betty was there to take it seriously. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying in this situation, I'm not saying anybody's right or wrong. I just found the whole thing really interesting to watch from, like, a perspective of, like, uh, you know, we, we, I mean, we're not saying we're completely equal, men and women, because there's still stuff that needs doing. But I cannot, can't imagine, like, going to work for you and then going, hang on a minute, I was supposed to get paid for this. <laughs> What's going on? My One of my favourite um, Alf and Audrey little mini stories was when they went off to Charleville in France, the, the twin like that, town yeah. in France. And this is, um, I think this is the first that we saw of Fred Elliott um, on the disc. And, and, and as Fred's coming into it, the same as Norris, it's like, ooh, 
we're getting into yeah. we're getting onto modern curry now, aren't we? And um and the the bit where Fred is trying to bribe the judges and he's like, well, yeah. now I'll see. Um, Vu will be oh, I'll be right with uh, moi and Je will be all right with with Vu. And, and so let's explain. They went to France. They went to France for a black pudding contest because they so, like their boulot noir in France. And it was a delegation, um, like headed up by the mayor of Weatherfield with yeah. a bunch of British butchers who'd go to compete with the French butchers, and they got put up in Charleville, which is the twin town of Made Weatherfield. Up. And um, yeah, during during like the big the drinks to to the welcome drinks, this is when. Um, what's his face decides to try and bribe a judge and yeah. the judge just goes off and immediately tells on him yeah. and then the whole pe- the whole lot of them get kicked out well they end up just having this stand up argument don't well, they yeah, between because... the mayor of Charlevin and Alf who'd just previously been drinking and toasting very like yeah, oh Eric Bobby Cantona. Cantona. <laughs> yeah. Cantona. I loved it when Alf did his speech in France and he's like and he says I, I thank you from the derriere de Moncourt or something <laughs> which he means to say the bottom of my heart but it means something else you asked him a chest yes um, but yeah, that was a really perfect little mini silly episode. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't it show how much of a lechy perv Fred was back in the early days. I know, and I know he, he became yeah. in, he was always a bit of a randy one. But he was he, he tries could, to he give, could have got he could have been a bit of a villain. He tries to give Audrey money to buy herself some underwear. Yeah. He's like, Oh, do you want to try some of that lingerie? Yeah. He he was brilliant <laughs> was and hilarious. Yeah. But um he was definitely a lot creepier and it was almost like they were trying to recapture Reg yeah um, and I know Reg hasn't left at this point he hasn't got long left sadly but they were they were trying to make him yeah too too seedy so I'm glad that they uh they kept his romantic side and, and his um obsession womanizing. with, with womanising yeah. and, and trying to get a, a wife throughout his reign yeah. on the show in the late 90s early 2000s <laughs> but um just it, want somebody to cook his uh his uh that pudding for him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, so I, I really, really like Audrey and I've kind of, I've kind of really, Audrey's been like one of my biggest revelations and it's another one where it's recontextualised how I feel about her in current Corrie because mm. she is such a bloody airhead. She really has no thoughts or cares about anything apart from buying a new dress and making fun of Alf for taking things too seriously. But she she was also she was manipulative with Alf. She's not an yeah. airhead in the same way as like Raquel is. No, no, no. Yeah, she's yeah. Yeah. She's she's smarter than that. She's she's, she's a bit more cunning. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel that we've been talking an awful, awful long about the early nineties and there's still lots more we need to talk about, but I think we need to kind of pick up the pace and then and, and bam 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 through some of our other highlights. We haven't even mentioned the McDonald's yet, who are the big new yeah. family. Again, speaking of going into the nineties and modern Corrie and, 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 and seeing these twin boys with their with their fashion and their haircuts and everything. It was Oh, Steve's so handsome, what a dream boat. Uh, Blimmin' Andy with his awful long hair. Oh my hair. gosh, Andy! That that period where he looked like he was um, auditioning for being the, the fourth member of Hanson, wasn't he? At yeah. one point, it's look, man, woman, whatever, long hair is fine. Don't flick it out of your face continuously because <laughs> you just look crazy. We're getting that in '97 with uh, with Adam Ricketts. Adam Ricketts curtains, um, but. McDonald's to me don't feel like they've had huge, huge stories. They're not we had, they're, they're not, but they they felt like they belonged. Um, I really enjoyed the stuff that the scenes where Liz has her miscarriage, or, or, or did she have a miscarriage, or did she give birth and it's too young and she loses it, baby Katie, mm. and that and that was what turned the viewers onto the the McDonald's apparently because they had a bit of a rocky start. 
but um, I, I, I really like all four of them at the moment. Um, but they, I'm going to say, they, not made a big impression on me. They, they haven't made a big impression. Uh, um, Jim, particularly, I think, has been really very hard solid. To like. No, I, I found him very. Yeah, but he's a very solid, imposing. You know, force I know, but of I'm nature, telling you, isn't he? I'm telling you that the episodes I've watched, I remember distinctly us having this conversation about Katie's death was the turning point for the viewers accepting the McDonald's because they had a really tough beginning in the 90s and I'm watching this the episodes that we've selected and are on the discs etc and I'm still saying to you it has no doesn't mm. really make me like them or not I, I I'm quite enjoying them but I'm not like loving them at the moment to me it's more like an intellectual kind of like exercise in these are the origins of characters that you know Mm. And this is how they came into the show. It's just, it is very funny how swish and suave and much uh, Steve is com- compared to how he is now. Steve is definitely a lot more switched on, I think. He, he there's was, there's he was a the missing hunk, scene where he drinks the inside of a thermometer and gets mercury poisoning. <laughs> and this is why he is like he is now. But he was um, he was a real heartthrob back in the early 90s, wasn't he? Speak ah. for yourself. <laughs> um, we, we haven't talked about the Carmel Nanny from Hell story, which we only probably only like, saw three episodes of, but that was... Another... I don't even remember who she was nannying for. She was nannying for the Platts, wasn't she? Because she ends up luring Martin into bed and there's that creepy scene when he comes home from the Christmas do at the hospital one night, drunk and late. And this is when Alf has had a heart attack, so Gail's at the hospital with him. And Martin gets into bed and then we see this hand of Carmel oh, reaching yeah. over to him. And um, and that, that had a great conclusion where Gail goes to her flat and Carmel is um, this... Oh yeah. Disturbed woman who thinks that Martin fancies her and she's going to run away with him and and, and she's claiming that she's pregnant with Martin's baby and Gail ends up having a bit of a tussle with her at the top of the stairs and she falls down the stairs and Gail's like, Oh no. But um There there, wasn't a baby. There was there was no baby. And then she goes home. Yeah, but we we saw just a snippet of that and it was probably a story that lasted what, four, five, six months maybe? The biggest, you've had a taster of it. The biggest story that seems to be happening at the moment, so we're watching the end of 94, right, mm. is the tension between um, Nick and Nicky and Martin. So yeah. so Gail's got in with Martin, who's much younger than she is, a new, like, her new beau, who's a, who's a nurse, and he is adopting the children, but Nick's rebelling, and um, Ivy's left by this point. Oh, gosh, yeah, can we just... Pause yeah, for a second. It's just too. We've just seen a minute and of silence for Ivy Tilsley. Ivy Brennan Tilsley, whatever you want to call her. What a fantastic character she was. I absolutely loved her. I know that everybody hates her who watched Coronation Street, but I've She's spoken Wimper, at length before about why I love Ivy. So I'm not going to go into it here. But I found their relationship with Don fascinating. I love how Don changed from this kind of easy go, you know, nice guy into this person who was batted down by this harridan of a wife that he was going out with. They were just so not suited for each other. Um, Do you feel that somehow on some (laughs) level you uh, sympathise? We saw the crash where he lost his leg. Um, We saw... um, It's just... I've absolutely loved their story and it's such a shame how it ended because one episode we were just watching it and Lynn Perry is there in Better Buys and it's like, oh, she's got the massive lips. Oh dear. She's had her plastic surgery. Her days on Coronation Street are numbered. And it was so sad. And we saw her for like one more episode after that. We didn't see her ending episode. She didn't she do didn't, anything. She didn't even have a proper ending episode, did she? She was. She just wasn't there anymore. And now she's at a nunnery. But that was so, so sad for a character as 
wonderful as Ivy to be left when you think about Ivy that's kind of what you remember and wasn't she a bit of a joke that she had that plastic surgery the character the actor sorry that 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 didn't quite work it didn't quite you know fit with the character because we also saw during this time I I forgot all the stuff with her spiritualism didn't we where she goes to the goes to the medium and she thinks she's talking to Brian from Beyond the Grave and then she gets this message about watch out Martin yeah and this is another amazing bet scene going back to the fact that Julie Goodyear was a wonderful dramatic actress where she this was great yeah she remembers her son Martin so yeah Ivy's talking about all these clues about you know about what she was told and they all completely was it was it Vera that told her it all completely fits in to Beth's um son Martin who died in a car yeah but they they don't realize they don't this. know yeah he, she Ivy is telling Gail you've got to watch out for Martin Martin Platt your your Martin I th- I think I'm getting a warning that something tragic is going to happen to him and Gail's like saying no you're not talking to the dad get away from me Ivy you, you're making things up. worse you're making things up uh, and then Better's there in the rovers where this confrontation that's happens right, and you right. can see the look on her face yeah. where she just gets these chills because she's what the idea yeah. is saying about Martin and a car crash and everything is describing what happened to her son who was you know taken away from her when he was little and then she recently found out had been killed in a car crash and this so, was quite so interesting um because it ends with her bet in the back sort of shaking and looking perturbed yeah and presumably because this was obviously before the internet presumably you would have had to have known and watched it back when bet was in it to remember who martin was to her yeah but she does tell you in the next episode i think but that cliffhanger if you didn't know you would have been like what the hell's going on yeah yeah I i loved that i loved it um what else haven't we mentioned yet? We haven't talked about Angie Freeman, new character who um, was about as bland and unmemorable to you as she was me as well, wasn't she? I think you said to me at one point, she Angie's been hanging around the street for a couple of years now, but I literally don't know anything about no. her apart from she's got quite um, outrageous fashion sense. You could always rely on Angie for wearing... Um, yeah, something a bit out there with her berets. Well, and she's, her... she was very much like of the 90s fashion because she was a fashion designer. Yeah, yeah. But as a character, I, I never liked her when I first started watching it because I think she's left now, but she comes back for the late 90s. I always found her fairly dull when well, I she, first started watching again, it. And, and her origins another... didn't, didn't work for me, I'm afraid. This is another like cultural artefact of 90s Corrie. Like a, a modern woman who is like a go get em kind of ambitious girl who knows what she wants out of life and she's trying to get it. Mm. And there's a bit today we watched in 94, the end of 94, when she's um, she's sort of bunking with various people and then she gets she kicks herself out of Dev's, Dez's house because she gets drunk and then she decides she wants to move out and she gets the papers and she's looking for somewhere to live. Was that 94 or was that 97 as well? I can't even Maybe remember. Maybe it's 97, actually. I think it was. But she, and she's saying, oh, well, I can afford to buy my own place. Mm. Can you imagine being, you know, like a, a single girl who, a single woman who has come up in the time period that she did and sort of being so successful that you can afford to buy your own house by yourself mm. at the age that she was? I know, I know. But just, just not but that also, interesting. But also, it doesn't make a very interesting but no. person to watch. Also, Denise, and I know, I know we spoke to Denise Black on the podcast last year, but um, I, I, I just didn't, I didn't 
get hooked by her character particularly. It was interesting having spoken to Denise last year and, and done a bit of research and finding out about the fact that they wanted to bring her in as a bit of a new Elsie Tanner and then looking at her with with those eyes. And I could definitely see it, her kind of sirenly ways and, you know, all the all the men going after her and her confidence and everything. But I just don't think particularly she was given the stories that that you know, made her stick to me. Did you, did you like uh, Denise particularly? Did you, did, did you get a bit of that Elsie Tanner fix that you've been missing since Pat Phoenix left? Well, the interesting thing about Elsie, um, about Denise, sorry, and Elsie, is that I didn't get why they ever said that she was the new Elsie. And then now I'm watching it and I've watched it all chronologically and I can see her coming in and being the hairdresser and having her hair. And even the way they styled her hair, totally can see that they wanted mm. her to be the new Elsie Turner. Um, I, just, she, I, I, I mean, it's another, she's another character whose main plots revolved around her love life. And, and unfortunately, it takes a really extraordinary story to make me interested in those because it really is just a case of who you're going to shack up with and what how is that going to complicate your life yeah I mean we've seen her get um get together with Ken haven't we a little bit recently and we saw her losing the baby the 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 one half of Daniel's forgotten twin yeah which was a brilliant brilliant performance I thought by Denise yeah um but uh she, she just didn't didn't quite work she didn't have the stories for me like you said um, and, and and Pat Phoenix is a tough act to follow. Definitely. You've got to invest, and i said this before many times about various attempts they've made to do certain things that are quite ambitious, is that you have to really have the courage of your convictions, and with various things, including Denise, I think they chickened out before they really gave it a chance. Mm. I, I, I suppose I enjoyed, and we didn't see very much of this, but I remember enjoying it when I watched it on ITV3, the story where Don starts phone stalking her and we saw a few bits of that on the episodes we watched didn't we where she would get she would get yeah she had a pizza delivered to her she had these silent phone calls and it was actually don's little obsession with her that was kind of interesting i don't know what i'd do if a man bought me a pizza (laughs) um we also saw the introduction of trisha armstrong played by tracy braben we didn't we haven't seen much of her and her son jamie she's not rubbish um but she she (laughs) I, i i don't think you're going to end up kind of loving her um as we i think she does more in the early second half of the 90s in the 95 96 97 era um but she certainly she was a character when i watched it back in the day she was very 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 forgettable and actually i do i I like her a little bit more now i've seen her whole stint and actually her son jamie was actually a pretty decent actor um, but we've we've not. So her story was like she was a, she was a single mum with a tearaway. Teens. Yeah, and then she ends up dating Curly after yeah. she after he tries to shoplift at Better Buys. But not we, Curly, her son. Her son, yeah. But no, we we've not as on our recent watch really seen very much of her at all. But um, it, that was kind of interesting when she showed up. Um, we haven't talked about um, speaking of Curly, the 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 story with Kimberly. And her parents, yeah. Mummy and Daddy Taylor, that I just had to show you a few clips of. This was really Brilliant. creepy and um, gross because Curly was trying to, like, shag her on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day or Christmas Eve, whatever. And she really obviously did not want to. But he did not care because he was too horny. And then it sort of came out because the um, parents were sort of trying to protect their 
their precious daughter. And, they were oh, so funny. The episode where they're in. first introduced and Daddy's there with his pipe and he's just looking very kind of stoic on the sofa and and then um, Curly kind of makes them think that he and Kimberly are engaged and then yeah. they suddenly turn from these... You know, Disapproving yeah, to to, to these... Yeah, yeah, so excited. They're very religious, and, aren't they? Yeah, and Mummy gets on the phone to Auntie to tell them about the, about Kimberly's engagement. Daddy goes and shows Curly his tomatoes in the garden, and it was it was really really funny stuff. We probably saw like two or three episodes with the Mummy. We saw even, one where he go where they go and meet the Duckworths as well. Yeah, which even funny. back in like nine, the nineties when this was on, this would have been a really old fashioned and strange yeah si- situation. It wasn't like this was the period where women were mm. living at home until they, you know, um, could show the bloody sheets out the window on their on their <laughs> wedding morning. But that that was a fun little story, but yeah, we didn't see too much of it. We saw um we saw Mike's um a relationship with Jackie Ingram leading yeah, in their wedding. Mike and ja- um what's uh Alma. Alma, yeah, kind of again, feel like a bit it's, I didn't really gone, see very much. No, we we haven't. I I think Mike and Alma are a rightly considered a classic Coronation Street couple. They they feel just right for each other. Um, but we've not seen a whole lot of them. But I it's like the... the difference between, like, you know, a drip, drip, drip of um, uh, water on a cave that makes, you know, a, a giant crater and, like, a waterfall that only happens once a year. So, like, the drip, drip, drip of, you know, of the water that erodes a path mm. are, like, these characters that are in it all yeah. the time but I never get to see very much of them because they're in it bits and bits the climax where Jackie points the gun at Mike the double barrel shotgun when she's realised um, that that he's trying to screw yeah. over her and stuff it's quite, bit, yeah. quite exciting and then she goes off and then he looks at the gun <laughs> and it has got bullets Oops. in because he thinks that he thinks it she's hasn't bluffing. but um, it, yeah not... I kind of liked I think she was the, she came off the best there didn't she she was like yeah. She's a normal person. Right, I'm just we're going to do a final skim down of our notes here. And if anything jumps out at you you want to talk about, speak now or forever hold your peace. I enjoyed the... Uh... Oh, well, speaking of the new set that they moved on to. Did we talk about that? I can't remember. We did a little you, bit. You one of, one of the things that was quite funny that stood out was when they had scenes in... Um... But it's mostly the McDonald's backyard, actually, yeah. and they would sh- they would have massive oh, yeah. uh, massive sheets hung up in Maudsley streets to try and hide the fact that they hadn't quite finished the set over there. So they would yeah. just have mud washing hanging up, trying to disguise the uh, what was actually there. Um, I liked. I'm just having a look. Uh, we have maybe I've talked about quite a lot of this now. Um, we had with we didn't really talk about Charlie Whelan, which was no. So so this was just Beck's boyfriend. He was a trucker who ended up being seduced by Tanya Pooley. There was the funny story episode where um he takes her to a Dolly Parton night. Yes. doesn't yeah. another brilliant Beck performance and, and, and makes her stand on stage to be a Dolly Parton impersonator. And it, there was even a bit when they had that funny uh, scene that we recommended with um her and Raquel where they both get drunk and. Is it then that she says, "I blame Dolly Parton for all yeah, this"? Yeah, that was that, that funny. was her D in the yeah. uh, in the alphabet. Um, so so he he was like a just a really tall guy that for some reason wore cowboy outfits, even though I don't think he'd ever been to America. <laughs> um, and he just drives off with Tanya Pooley after falling under her seduction techniques and telling Bet where to go. Yeah. and that was really sad because Bet was totally blindsided by by that, and she kicked Tanya out. And this was Tanya's last ditch attempt to try to salvage something out of her time in Weatherfield, was just to steal Bet's boyfriend mm, mm. and go off in a truck. 
yeah. which wasn't really the sort of triumphant exit that I can imagine she thought she would have. No. <laughs> but, you know, she still got one over on somebody. And I think that's all that Tanya really wanted out of life, wasn't it? Absolutely. I think, I think you know, I think we're kind of done. There's there's lots of other, you know, little bits here and there um, that we, ha- we haven't mentioned. Jack on the roof when he was the Birdman of Weatherfield. That was kind of all right for a bit of a comedy special <laughs> episode. The best Lots thing of... about that episode was the firemen in the background of the scene, they were trying to point at things. Oh, yeah. Like they were busy and they didn't, there was no need that to point funny, so yeah. much not, at, not the, so at, great the background. at the I enjoyed the giant cherry picker that they brought to rescue Jack yeah. off the roof. Um, yeah, that's, I think that's it. That is kind of it. I mean, uh, Derek and Mavis, you know, the budgie dies. Yeah, tragic. And they they uh, um, had to reunite. I mean, if you're... If you're um, one of our patrons and you get sent the notes every week you'll be able to read through this and anything that we've we've missed that we haven't talked about yeah. you can read our thoughts there but um yeah so that that was it and um, as I said at the beginning I thought this was a really 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 golden era of the show after being just surprisingly disappointed a little bit by the 80s when I thought I'd loved it but um I, I just thought that the the mix of characters that they had was brilliant the the feeling a bit more modern um, the the comedy was still there definitely maybe there weren't so many you know special one off episodes again as if I think back to the sixties I think standalone episodes there was a lot of like the episode where they go to the Blue John Mines the episode where the tram the train crashes through the viaduct yeah. there was there was less of that it felt a lot more you know continuous which was another reason why it was hard for you to pick what was going on because you had to know what was going on before I think they also relied a bit more on extraneous media in this time because you've got the the origin of the Coronation Street official Coronation Street magazine yeah where, that's true. so if you're super invested in this and you miss an episode you can pick up what the hell happened mm. whereas back in the 60s and the 70s you know we didn't even have uh, technology as well we have not even considered the the impact of VCRs and home recordings and how media consumption changed especially for an episodic period drama like a periodical drama like like um coronation street where back in the day you couldn't rely on everybody having watched every single episode and if you missed one that was it Mm. once the vcr was invented and you could record things at home coronation street could start relying more on people being able to to catch up on things they had missed and this was when it was uh gone up to three episodes a week as well so there was there was more to watch and more to potentially miss but yeah you're right but that's like a really that's a really significant aspect of of coronation street and i think that um, you can probably even imagine now how complicated the plots are and how many different ways that even you now can catch, catch up, up on Coronation Street, whether it's our podcast or or reading a synopsis on the internet or going to ITV or reading a soap magazine or going on a forum. There are so many ways that you can catch up to Coronation Street and that's why probably there, it's, a, it's a bit more complicated and they don't really give you so many hints and tips mm. about what had happened previously and they... Yeah, expect you to be a bit more invested. I think that's honestly. I I've got whenever we do we do stuff about old Korea. I was like, I wish I was studying this as a de- as a degree because you could do your dissertation on so many different bits about this. Yeah. 
but te- technology and how it changes the consumption of soap operas is probably a really fascinating yeah. thing to talk about. Absolutely. But we're not going to talk about that. We we're not. We're nearly finished. Um, and, and, and now ready to move on to the second half of the 90s, where I reckon around Easter time, maybe, we're going to overtake ITV3. So I've been... Oh, watch out for spoilers. Yeah, I, well, I, exactly. So I've, I've been quite enjoying 1997, actually, and uh, Brian Park's era. So it'd be funny to, to show some of that with you. But then, yeah, we'll be going well, I know into I've, I've relatively watched... uncharted territory for the late 90s which I haven't seen for 20 years and, and the 2000s <laughs> so as well which again is a it, it's not a it, it's the last no golden era in many ways but I mean you have the things like you have the Richard Hillman yeah, is going to okay. be coming up there but in my head it's a little bit fuzzy and hazy because it's been so long since I've seen it yeah. and everything else I've seen since so yeah that, that should be quite interesting to to come up with to, to see and uh yeah, just but but any final final thoughts, conclusions. The only thing I want to say is that obviously the way that they select the episodes um, has a lot to do with how you view the legacy of of what happened during that era, and it would be I know that honestly I think that the two thousand is going to be the last DVD set that's ever produced. Yeah. I genuinely do not think that they will do another one for the next ten years after that because I just don't think that people buy DVD collections mm. anymore, but. I would have found it very interesting to have seen which episodes which they would episodes. have picked for each year and how what would have been represented. And the same thing for the for the last decade yeah. that's just finished. How would you, if you had to pick eight episodes a year, what storylines would you pick? How would you represent Coronation Street? And then think how difficult a task that is. Mm. And then go back and, and appreciate the job that has been done for this 90s Yeah. 90s DVDs. They definitely missed out a few important they, they ones. They certainly but, did, but and, and some of the ones we watched, I was like, oh, why was this on there? But no, we, we, we really got our other ways of seeing them. No. Final, final thing, and I've just noticed something in the notes that we haven't talked about that I think is worth, well worth talking about. Early 1990, we had a return of Hilda Ogden for the oh, ta- yes. for the ITV telethon special, and this was and we were a, able yeah. to we were able to get a copy of of that that we could see, and it was just. Lovely, charming, Char- so so charming. Hilda coming back after her leaving in eighty seven. Yeah, um, she Catch she up. yeah she was uh, she was like um yeah she walks into the Rovers a bit like you know, cock of the walk after sort of coming in from Doctor Lauders and she, she just n- nice catching up with people and there was the the scene where she goes to Stan's grave oh, yeah uh, and tends that and it talks was, to him yeah yeah it was really 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 nicely done that's like... the sort of thing that could have completely fallen flat on its face and ruined yeah. the legacy of a character. It wasn't like but super in your little, face or, no. or like dramatic or funny in any particular intense way, but it was just really sweet and nice yeah, to yeah. catch up with her. Re- really worth trying to track down on YouTube if you're a Hilda fan and you haven't seen that. So that was the 90s, the first half of the 90s. It's going to take us a while to work through the next how many, many episodes and plus yeah, how many be, uh, two, extra two or three months, YouTube probably. ones. But I hope you enjoyed that. And if you had any thoughts about any characters that we mentioned or storylines or, or anything that something we missed. we missed, yeah, please let us know. Write into us at conversationstreet at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at conversationstreet. We're on Facebook. Most of the action takes place in our secret Facebook group, which you can join just by answering a few questions. Or you can, you can join us on Patreon if you're intrigued by some of the things that we've been mentioning that we have spoken about in recent episodes. There are... Um, there's one free episode every month so there's, and there's a back catalogue to explore as well 
and uh, I think that's it. Oh, we're on YouTube as well. And Instagram. And Instagram. Mm. So, thank you for listening. Thank you, everybody. Um, and yeah, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. The music for this episode came from podcastthemes.com. Oh, 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 oh